recorded Recorded live. live. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. For all of you who attended the Alien Cosmic Expo today and all weekend, I trust you had a great time out at the Toronto Airport Marriott Hotel. Keep checking the live events page up at strangeplanet.ca, incidentally, because I have another event this summer, a Culticon at the Mythwood Campgrounds in Holstein, Ontario. That's happening all weekend, July 13th, 14th, 15th. I'll be there on the 14th, Saturday, July the 14th. You can check out all the details at occulticon.ca. Or, again, go about electronic harassment and mind of a program that originally aired back on February the 23rd, 2014. In Hour 1, Dr. John Hall will talk about electronic harassment and mind control. And then, in Hour 2, the first half, futurist and trans researcher Jerry experiment. Do you see where this is going? The University of Malta researchers for that of the American Board of Anesthesiology and a member of the American Academy of Pain Medicine. He's also an active member of the Mind Science Foundation dedicated to the study of human consciousness. Great pleasure to meet or to uh, to welcome once again to the program Dr. John Hall. Hey John, how are you? Good, Richard. A new breed, satellite terrorism in America. First, let's dial back uh, as I said, you're a practicing medicine. You're an anesthesiologist. How did you, how did you uh, fall down the rabbit hole into this this whole arena of electronic harassment? Take us back. Well, and actually, I am still practicing anesthesia and pain management, but um, I guess it was probably around 2002, 2003 when I came across a girl who was voicing these complaints. And of course, you know, as most of these victims, her physicians all immediately wanted to send her to a psychiatrist. Um, having known a little bit about the technology already, I took her seriously and did some counter surveillance and some counterintelligent work uh, with her, put, you know, voice activated recorders in her place to try to verify the stalking part of it. Uh, and sure enough, uh, her place was getting broken into. Uh, she was being drugged and with rohypnol and sexually assaulted. And the interesting thing was the way she was being drugged, and that's where the mind control part comes in. They were putting rohypnol and bottled water and other food sources or drink sources in her condominium and controlling her to drink where the drugs were. And a lot of your listeners, that may sound like science fiction, but that's exactly the way this technology works. And in dealing with this woman would see her drink five bottles of water, just boom, 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 all in a row, and would say, you know what, I mean, are you thirsty? You're drinking a lot of water. That's your fifth bottle of water in less than an hour. And she would turn and go, well, this is my second one, or my first or second one. What do you mean, fifth bottle? Go look in the trash. There's five bottles in there. Well, they were making sure to get her dosed up with the drugs that they had placed in the water. And then once she was drugged with rohypnol and amnestic, from the rohypnol. Rohypnol is a date rape drug, um, blocks your memory pretty much completely for a time period. Um, and then they would break in and for sexual assault. And that's not an uncommon thing among these uh, female victims of this technology. This technology is being used essentially to uh, perpetuate 
sex slavery uh, in a lot of cases. And such was the case with this woman. We did identify the perpetrators uh, in her case. It was a former FBI guy running a private investigative agency in which he only hired his close relatives. Um, unfortunately, the part of the reason for the book was, you know, you're trying to prove intangible technology um, so in a court of law with this. So the only thing we could go on was the sexual assault and the stalking. At that time, Texas laws on stalking were weak. Um, because of this case and one other case similar to it, our stalking laws have been changed. Um, and they had a hard time going after the sexual assault because of lack of memory of it on her part due to the drug. So the next best thing was to actually write the, the whole twisted story down into a book um, and hope to get some exposure of the problem. And amazingly enough, at that time, there wasn't a whole lot online about this. There were a couple of people talking about it. Uh, after the book published in 2007, 2008, I was inundated with people voicing the exact same complaints. Dr. Joan Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and then we'll get to the the satellite component and what that has to do with electronic harassment, mind control, because, uh, you know, the Rohypnol, and, and when I hear Rohypnol, I think of a conversation I had um, with Sirhan Sirhan's attorney, uh, and, and uh, this is going back, of course, you know, 1968, and, and, and you know, the lady in the polka dot dress that handed Sirhan a, a pot of coffee uh, just before he went into the uh, the pantry at the Ambassador Hotel, and uh, uh, allegedly, I guess I used the term allegedly shot Senator Kennedy, but uh, the theory is that that that, that he was on rohypnol as well. Uh, so, I mean, this is a drug that's been around for a long time, uh, but it's it, that's pretty low tech compared to what what is being used now. Correct? Yeah, and like I said, uh, the electronic component came in the, the way they were drugging her. You know, they that it wasn't they were putting the rohypnol in food sources and hoping she would eat those or drink those sources, um, they were actually controlling her to drink or eat those sources. Uh, and of course, the rest of it, I mean, I, you know, she was having complete conversations with uh, people that no one else around her could hear, which is called voice to skull uh, or synthetic telepathy, as you mentioned um, in your prelog. Um, so, I mean, she was getting all the, all the symptoms that typically uh, you see. And, you know, as you mentioned, some of the, you know, some of the technology that's actually been admitted to in the private sector, you have to remember if the private sector is admitting that, the private sector oftentimes is at least 10 or 20 years behind the government sector. Exactly. Listen, uh, uh, Doc, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and uh, continue to talk about electronic harassment, mind control, electronic torture not a conspiracy theory folks it's a crime and it's happening and dr hall will tell you all the sordid horrible details when the conspiracy show continues right after this different views make great conversation this is the conspiracy show with richard serrett and we are here with Dr. John Hall, who has treated numerous patients who have complained about voices in their heads. Uh, we're not talking about uh, schizophrenia, folks. Uh, we're talking about a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, in any event, these individuals that have this voice-to-skull or are being targeted with voice-to-skull technology, they're eventually driven to some form of 
oh, serious psychosis. And in his new, uh, his book, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, he describes his relationship with his significant other, Mallory, a young woman with a bright future. And upon beginning a new profession, Mallory was suddenly struck down by unexplainable happenings, mind control surveillance, stalking, rape. And uh, so Dr. Hall and others sacrificed themselves and their careers to bring her nightmare to an end. And what happened to Mallory and what is happening to uh, countless others is really the subject of a new breed, satellite terror terrorism in America. So this, uh, uh, we're calling her Mallory. Uh, she was your fiance, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, she was. And um, part of the reason we kind of pulled out the stops to and did a, a lot of counter surveillance and called in a lot of favors from friends in high places to find out the facts about the technology, mostly whether or not it had been commercialized. Um, like I said, I already had a, a pretty good feeling uh, about what was going on and what was being used just from prior knowledge of it. Um, but what I was most concerned about at, at that time was had it been commercialized. I mean, the technology's been around for a while. It was actually you know, initially um, invented as a, a communication system. So war fighters or intelligence people in the field could actually communicate or be communicated to at that time uh, without use of a radio. As a matter of fact, they're working on it now, I believe at the University of California at Berkeley, uh, in a three-way system where war fighters in the field will be able to communicate thought to thought uh, through a link um, to each other. Uh, it, and for some time it's been perfected to where it could be done, you know, bi-directionally um, between a transmitter, you know, and a, a human skull or a warfighter in the field back and forth, you know, to give orders to. But now it's actually came full circle to where, I mean, you'll have two warfighters or two intelligence guys in the field being able to communicate thought to thought. It's telepathy. So, We're talking about telepathy here. Yeah, essentially that's one way to do this, synthetic telepathy, and I believe they actually, at the University in California, they are calling it the synthetic telepathy lab. Um, and, you know, one of the other um, um, things that's been released that you actually mentioned was being able to decode the brain signals, you know, to determine what someone's thinking or what someone's hearing or what, you know, and that has actually came full circle in the private sector already too. There's a researcher named Jack Dowland out at University of California. Yes, yes. And, uh, and he actually uh, can have um, people watch a video or watch a movie and then have them rethink about the video that they saw. And as they think about the video they saw, their brainwaves are decoded back into video so uh, an observer can actually see what they're remembering. Uh, and of course, it also can be done while they're actively watching to decode what they're actively watching. So, um, as far as some people thinking the technology is far-fetched, uh, it's really not because if it's if we're getting that close to it in the private sector, then it's like you said, it's already been done in the government sector, and, and I mean, I know for a fact that it has been. So, and if they can, if they could read uh, our 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 minds, uh, read our intentions. I mean, how could how would that be used, for example, in, in, in Mallory's case? How would that technology have been used against her? Well, that was strictly used as a tracking uh, thing and a control issue. Because basically, the synthetic telepathy, the way it works, if I put a voice in your head that sounds like me or sounds like someone unknown to you, then that becomes harassment, and you will perceive it as harassment. 
But if I put a voice in your head, whoa, whoa. it sounds like yeah, your yeah. thoughts. Uh, yeah, and yeah. everybody has a voice in their head. You, when you read a book or you read something, you're actually hearing it in your head in your own voice. If you can mimic that same pattern and that same um, voice tone, then in a lot of people that becomes a thought and they act on those thoughts. And that's precisely um, how Manchurian candidates work or, you know, what we suspect some of these shooters, how that is working, that, you know, they're, they think they're acting on their own thoughts when indeed they're acting on thoughts that are, that are exogenously placed there. Um, and you kind of touched on that, the creating false memories uh, in mice. You know, that's fairly old technology as well. As a matter of fact, for some, a number of years now, we've actually had a false memory foundation. And one of the bigwigs in the false memory foundation has actually uh, been Michael Persinger, you know, who's done a lot of his research at Laurentian, um, you know, there in your neck of the woods, and some time ago had said that he controlled every brain on the planet using ELF or microwave energy. Oh, my word. And, and so how many, uh, how many people now do you have coming to you as a result of the publication of a new breed, coming to you, uh, people who believe that they are being surveilled, targeted, tortured? Uh, quite, quite a few, actually. I mean, I, I try actually not to, to see those people as patients, but usually just communicate through them either on the phone or through my website. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing after that book published and some of my existing patients had actually read it, you would be surprised at how many people that I had already been seeing for other, you know, just truly medical ailments that said, you know what, I read your book or I heard a radio interview with you. Know, I've had that going on for a couple of years and just didn't know what it was or have people come in and say, we, we thought we were having a haunting. Um, because oftentimes the person themselves aren't victimized, but you know, they'll, they'll mess with electronics in the house, you know, which is kind of leads me to believe that a lot of the times you, you see people complaining of a house that's haunted or a hotel that's haunted. Um, one of the things that's common among most of these victims, you know, they will say they have, you know, electronic, they have wiring problems, you know, they have lights that come off and on on their own, garage doors that open and close on their own, uh, computer that will watch somebody move the mouse, you know, not the mouse, but the, the cursor around on their computer. Um, and indeed in San Antonio, we have a, a little neighborhood in the northwest side of San Antonio that for several years, People were complaining that their wiring is going bad, their cell phones weren't working, their garage doors were opening and closing on their own. Um, and they had complained about this for a long time. And it just so happens that this neighborhood happens to be to one of our now three NSA bases in San Antonio. Mm. Uh, and finally, the NSA came out after a, a news investigative story and said that they were experimenting with a new ground wave communication system that just happened to be passing through this neighborhood, uh, causing all these problems. So um, is it truly experimenting with a communication system or is it experimenting on the neighborhood with a communication system? We'll never know. But um, they did come out and admit to it and recommended that people put on some special FCC um, filter in their home wiring uh, to help stop their, their wiring from burning out. And um, I know the news did a follow-up story on that, and uh, that actually can be probably Googled from our local San Antonio news. But, and, you know, those are the complaints that a lot of these victims are complaining about, too, not just 
the personal attack, but the attacks on their appliances and their electronics and, you know, their garage doors and it, basically anything that works through electricity. Now, in Mallory's case, the subject of, of uh, your book, A New Breed, uh, the the these were lower level perps. I'm guessing we're talking about a former FBI agent and and, a, and private investigators gone bad. Uh, but then you you're, you're also talking about you know the National Security Agency and there's this there's that specter again. <laughs> I mean, it's, as, as if anyone at this point after Edward Snowden's revelations would doubt any of this stuff that's coming out in in, in regards to you know how low the NSA will stoop, but. I'm a little confused as to, you know, who is being, who is responsible for the for the bulk of this? Is it the low-level perps, people who have some sort of vendetta, or uh, in in the case of Mallory, wanted to turn someone into their personal sex slave, or are we talking about some high-level, shadowy, rogue government agency? Well, the, and the way you look at that, and this is the the part that's been difficult to explain and and make people understand is. If you look back to MK Ultra and MK Search and Bluebird and Artichoke and you know all the cutesy names that that you know our mind control programs were given um, to the CIA in the past, which is not unique to the CIA, the NSA and the DoD all all dabbled in it early on, but it was never done directly by those agencies. It was always done you know guys as legitimate university research, or it was done through front companies. Uh, the Human Ecology Fund you know, was one of them. There were several, uh, and it's still being done that way today. You're you're right. The boots on the ground in the various communities where these people are complaining of it, I guess you could you could probably say they're low low level perps or you know, but I think the way it's probably working to give the government plausible deniability is these groups are given access to this technology because this isn't something that you you and I can Google and download onto our computer and use on someone. And it doesn't appear to be handheld weaponry. So if you look in the past at the way this research has been done, it's you give these these groups and each community access to the technology. You allow them to operate carte blanche. You know, they can use it however they want to use it on whomever they want to use it you know, for whatever reason, as long as the data gets back to the appropriate agencies. And as far as that's concerned, the appropriate agencies can actually monitor the, the perpetrators themselves to get the data they want back. So one way to look at it would be the victims and the local perpetrators are probably all part of the same experiment. An experiment. That's what we're talking about here. It's an experiment, a grand, large-scale experiment. So... Uh, what, what? That, appear, that appears to be the case, Richard. Yeah, and and, and it's to see how uh, you know how many buttons they can push, uh, how how far you know they can push someone before they can fracture their their psyche. Uh, what, what's the end game? Do we know? Well, I mean, that, you know, looking at things as a physician medically, you know, most of these victims or that that I've spoken to have been victimized for eight or nine, ten years or more. Um, medically, the only reason to to do that long term of a study would be to see, you know, what type of weird illnesses, weird cancer, you know, blood problems are going to come from being exposed 24/7, you know, to large amounts of non-ionizing radiation or electromagnetic radiation. You know, that would be one reason to do it. And you know, the other reason is that you know, we I think we all agree now that you know, we have a government that's too big. We have a government that no longer fears the people. And a government that wants control, 
and it's certainly a lot easier to control people electromagnetically than it is with you know guns, bullets, or taxes. So, uh, and even Vladimir Putin uh, in Russia at least came out and admitted that they have psychotronic weaponry and that they're actively working on psychotronic weaponry. And he himself said that whichever country controlled the best psychotronics would control the globe without missiles or bullets. So none of our media picked up on that lecture that he gave. I had one call, one news agency called me for comment on it, and that was El Spectador uh, out of Colombia in South America. So, um, you know, it, it, at least one country's admitted to having it. Um, as far back as the Branch Davidian crisis in Waco, uh, our own FBI did meet with um, Igor Shmirnov from Russia, who was one of the developers of voice-to-skull technology, uh, and wanted to use it on David Koresh at that time. But the Russian software wouldn't work with American FBI computers, so the idea was scrapped. But they did meet with uh, Shmirnov's people to try and use it. So, uh, And I think that was in Newsweek at the time. So, you know, the technology's actually been around for a while. It's just been kept pretty close to the vest. Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. The website, doctor, is satweapons.com? That's it. Satweapons.com. You mentioned the uh, extremely low frequency, the ELF. We'll all remember, of course, the, the horrible shooting at the Washington Naval Yard where the shooter... Alexis Aaron, or Aaron Alexis, carved into the, the butt of his rifle, my ELF weapon. What do you think he was intending? What message was he intending to impart there, my ELF weapon? Well, based on some of his emails, um, you know, he had emailed Freedom from Covert Surveillance and Harassment, a um, humanitarian group that deals with a lot of the victims of this, and several times and had very same sounding emails. I mean, he, uh, you know, did make the comment that, you know, he had a clearance and um, that he had worked for the DOD and worked for the Navy and, and he knew what this technology was, was questioning on how to defeat the sleep deprivation he was going through. The inscription he put on the shotgun, I think, was meant more in a vengeful way, you know, that he had done some research and found out that a lot of this technology was being researched at the Navy Yard uh, in a, another building close to the Navy Yard. I think that was strictly uh, a vengeful inscription that he was going there to attack, at least where he perceived his attacks from coming from. All right, Dr. Hall, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and uh, continue to delve into electronic harassment, torture, mind control. And uh, we will find out the uh, the connection between satellites and this horrible, heinous crime. Back with more of the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. He speaks the truth, Dr. Hall. Uh, here's the story right here. Using functional magnetic resonance imaging... And computational models, UC Berkeley researchers have succeeded in decoding and reconstructing people's dynamic visual experiences, in this case, watching Hollywood movie trailers. As yet, the technology can only reconstruct movie clips people have already viewed. However, the breakthrough paves the way for reproducing the movie inside our heads that no one else sees, such as dreams and memories, according to researchers. This is a major leap forward, reconstructing internal imagery, said Professor Jack Gallant 
a UC Berkeley neuroscientist and co-author of the study published online today, that was uh, last year, in the journal Current Biology. We're opening a window into the movies in our minds. So again, I say, if they're going public with this, how much further down the road are they? I would suspect decades, perhaps. Dr. Hall, back to the extremely low-frequency, non-ionizing radiation. And of course, we are swimming in a virtual electronic smog. Uh, we're surrounded by cell towers and smart meters and baby monitors, and we're attached at the hip literally with our smartphones, you know, microwaves everywhere. So how do we, or how do you, as a physician, separate someone who is simply electronic sensitive, who has an adverse reaction to this non-ionizing radiation, and someone who is actually being targeted? You know, Richard, sometimes that's hard to do. And as a physician, certainly, you know, I'm not going to deny that mental illness doesn't exist, that, you know, there are people that are schizophrenic or, or have delusional disorder. Uh, and sometimes it's difficult to tell where they, you know, having mental problems, you know, prior to being victimized, are they having mental problems due to victimization, or are they just having mental problems? And that that is a, a real difficult challenge uh, in a lot of these cases. Um, now, in most of the legitimate cases that I've seen, uh, most of these people are very well educated, were highly functioning. Uh, most of the people I've dealt with have been professionals, doctors, lawyers, you know, people like that, that can pinpoint the day that most of this started. And usually it was in later in life, in the late 30s, early 40s, um, which is kind of beyond the diagnostic um, point where really you would call someone schizophrenic. Schizophrenics, you know, typically are not right from an early age. I mean, that's identified in, in males, usually at 16 to 18, and females, you know, from 16 to 21. So, you know, that kind of is taken off of the board in, in most of these people. And that's why typically if they do get parked in front of a psychiatrist, they usually end up getting a delusional disorder type diagnosis that means that uh, they're having delusions of persecution that are unrealistic for their position in life. You know, if, if you know if you came in saying that everybody's following me and I'm being spied on, well, that's delusional. Now, if you were a spy, you know, working for the government and came in and said that, then that would be perfectly fine and, and within the norm for your possible lifestyle. So, um, and it's no mistake that it is looked at that way by psychiatrists because from the beginning, most of these projects were headed up by psychiatrists. So um, there, it's it's not coincidental that this technology mimics mental illness. It's meant to do that. So And it's meant to make it hard to tell whether somebody's being victimized, experimented on, or if they're mentally ill. I would imagine that also it would be someone with mental illness, an underlying mental uh, health issue, or someone with an addiction. That would provide great cover for whoever these perps are, if they wanted to target somebody, why wouldn't they pick on someone that already has a mental health issue? Well, they, they do. Historically, they always have. Uh, if you go, like I said, a lot of this we have to base on information from Freedom of Information based on MKUltra. And if you look at a lot of those projects, they were done on foster children in foster you know, homes. Willowbrook School was one of them. They were done on prisoners that are incarcerated in our prisons military guys, um, you know, people with addiction or drug problems that already were known, people that are already self-discredited. Now, that was historically, and it's still some of that's being done today, 
But because it can be done remotely now and you don't have to be lured into a lab or put into a mental hospital under a false diagnosis anymore, which is typically what was, you know, done by you and Cameron and at McGill University, you know, again, up in your neck of the woods, um, they took women and told them that, you know, instead of postpartum depression, they said you have overt psychiatric disease and you need to be kept in-house, and then they experimented on them. With vast well, now, dosages of LSD. And 900 times normal electroconvulsive therapy and, you know, playing tapes of a new personality under them. I mean, you know, those are verified facts. You know, we've had to work with some of those people to get them as at least as close to normal as we can get them after the fact. But now that it can be done remotely through energy, and you know, even Jose Delgado, who worked extensively for the CIA on human brain chipping and human chipping, before his death, uh, even said that you know that his work was was obsolete, that none of this had to be done with chipping anymore, that it could all be done with broadcast, that it was all being done electromagnetically now, and that was you know several months before his death in California after he came back from his continued research in Spain. Well, listen, we'll, uh, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, let's talk about how this is now being achieved, not through uh, some implant or through ritualistic abuse and trauma like the Nazis perfected back in the 40s, but it's being done remotely by satellite. Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. Back with more. Don't go away. Dr. John Hall stays with us for a few moments, yeah, talking about electronic harassment. It's all outlined in his uh, book, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. You can learn more at his website, www.satweapons.com. So how is this torture being delivered via satellite, Dr. Hall? Well, you know, and that's been a big question in this topic. Among a lot of the people you see blogging about it is the delivery system. I'll tell you why I titled the book I did and was based on a little bit of knowledge of the of the technology. And like I said, I called in some favors, some people that are still currently in the CIA. And believe it or not, there are a lot of people within government who are against this. Uh, they unfortunately can't come out publicly at risk of being you know, labeled like Edward Snowden and having to move themselves and their families to another country. But there are people willing to give up a little bit of information. And I talked to one of my contacts to ask if this had been commercialized and kind of already knew most of it was being done via satellite. And they verified that, you know, yes, they did have now weapon systems platforms on satellite. So at least that's one delivery system we're sure about. Now, I know there's a lot of blogs I've seen where they're saying it's being done with um, you know, radar guns or handheld weapons or miniaturized directed energy weapons that can be buried in the home that I know of from my research and from my knowledge, there's really nothing much that's been miniaturized just yet uh, as far as directed energy. And in talking to many of the victims, when you live in an apartment complex, you always suspect that it's somebody around you, not somebody remote. But when you actually look at the, the true research on it, you can take these people into an area where there's no cell phone towers, no electrical grid, and they still get attacked. You can take them onto a boat in the ocean, they still get attacked. And when they travel across country, even in a plane, they're still victimized. And there's only one or two technologies that can follow you everywhere, and one of them is satellite. So you know, the title of the book was based on just what I could verify factually actually exist. And how would an individual be 
targeted, let's say, from a, a satellite that's anywhere from, I'm, I'm not sure at what level in the atmosphere, anywhere from 20, I suppose, to 2,000 miles up there. Uh, do we, do we, are, they, are they honing in on some sort of a brain signature that we emit? No, that's one of the theories, and one of the things that I actually was confided in was that that is one way it's being done is through brain fingerprinting. That, you know, your EEG actually gives off a very low L-wave signal that, believe it or not, can actually be processed remotely. You know, another revelation that's come here out recently, which may apply to tracking of a human body, too, is the NSA has actually came out, or you know, I don't think they came out with it, but it was exposed to some other foreign intelligence agencies, the way they monitor computers. And the way they do that is with a small chip in the cord between the computer and the monitor. It's actually in the monitor cord. And that is bombarded with continuous wave radar, CWR. And when the chip is bombarded in the cord, it transmits up to eight miles away everything that's going from your computer through the cord to the monitor. So essentially, they're getting real-time data that can be stored of everything that comes across your monitor. Uh, with almost a, a, a gigawatt of energy being placed around you and your computer when they do it, which would explain why you're seeing a lot of these little, you know, antennas popping up around the countryside with chain link fence around them. They're receiving stations. Um, one of the other theories is that when the human body is uh, bombarded with continuous wave radar, that your DNA itself resonates uh, and can be picked up, which would be individual you know, would be an identifier for each individual. So there's a lot of theories on it. Of course, the only people who know the facts are the people that are working with it. But as you know, if you look at low tech, we have body image technology, facial image technology and recognition um, that works fairly well, you know, not indoors, but when somebody's outdoors. And we have FLIR imaging now, which can actually look indoors as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of technologies out there that can accomplish this. Some of the ones being used specifically in electromagnetic targeting are yet to be classified, but I imagine it's going to come back similar to the way they're monitoring computers and cell phones. Cell phones monitored with CWR, your battery can be out and your SIM card can be out and they can still power up the phone enough to make it transmit. In fact, I believe several years ago, the, it was the FBI or the CIA were bragging that that's how they nailed some drug kingpins in the United States. They were monitoring conversations even though the cell phones were ostensibly turned off. Not only that, and they can monitor the money itself. You know, the American dollar bills have an RFID in them, and you can actually drive down the street using FLIR imaging and see where the stacks of money are in the house, and especially in the drug trade, you know, that's all done with copious amounts of cash. So you know, when they are monitoring a home that they suspect, and they see a closet full of cash, that's then all you have to do is, is make up a reason, you know, to come to the door with a, a warrant. And then, oh, my gosh, look, we discovered a closet full of cash. That's another way they're actually dealing with the drug trade. What about some of the biological effects that, that people complain about? Uh, heart palpitations, the ability to slow someone's heart rate down, speed it up, maybe even stop their heart. What appears to be doing that mostly is you can target individual organs of course, the directed energy. But, you know, when you're targeting the brain, the brain controls everything. So, you know, you can target the centers that actually, you know, raise or lower the heart rate. A lot of these victims complain of uh, severe heartburn that comes on quickly and goes away quickly despite treatment. 
Um, that's probably microwave heating of the mucosa of the stomach causing acute um, gastric acid release. Some of the other complaints are numbness in the fingers or the thumb while they're trying to use the computer to discourage computer use, body twitching, seizures. You know, now, what we do know of electromagnetic energy exposure from some of the studies, because you got to remember a lot of the electromagnetic energy studies are actually done by cell phone you know, companies or they're done by people looking to see what the, the long-term effects of cell phone use are going to be. Some of those studies are actually covered by the cell phone companies themselves. So, of course, those studies say, no, there's nothing wrong with having a cell phone on 24-7 next to your head. Those coming out of Europe that are done independently are saying, oh, yeah, there's a lot wrong with having a cell phone next to your head. But some of the things that we have seen are premature aging, premature cataract development, men, um, lower levels of fertility. You know, of course, the heart problems, brain cancers, um, various things that this can cause. So, I mean, we know for a fact that there are some medical issues that can be caused by even small amounts of electromagnetic energy being around you all the time. Now, what we're talking about with continuous wave radar are very large amounts of electromagnetic energy, and that hasn't been studied at all um, because it would mostly be unethical to study it, at least on humans. You were talking about uh, psychotronic weapons, and, and you know, there's that old saying, uh, if where there's a law, there must be a problem. And about a dozen years ago or more, um, uh, a couple of congressmen, uh, Dennis Kucinich, and, and I believe uh, former astronaut John Glenn was involved in this bill as well. It was... Um, it was the, uh, the Preservation of Space Bill, and it, it wasn't passed. Uh, but it was interesting what got mentioned and included in that Preservation Space Bill. And it, what, one of the things mentioned was psychotronic weaponry. Do you remember yeah, that bill? That, 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 yes, that was, that, was, yeah, that was Dennis Kucinich that wrote that bill. Uh, John Glenn was involved in another bill that I'll mention. But uh, Dennis Kucinich wrote that, and in its original wording, it specifically mentioned weapons used to alter sensorium or alter mental status. Um, by the time it made it to Congress, most of that had been watered down and taken out of it, and it didn't pass anyway. And, uh, but that was an attempt to try to not weaponize space. Well, the European Union and Russia both also had um, you know, legislation that they tried to pass through the UN, a treaty, to not weaponize space, and one of the countries that refused to sign was ours, was the U.S. Uh, John Glenn actually tried to pass legislation making experimenting on the public without consent illegal. Uh, he wrote a bill uh, requiring informed consent for any type of experimentation done on the public, including intelligence agency experimentation, and that was also shot down in Congress. So I, I think people would be uh, shocked to 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 to, uh, to know that that we can be experimented on without our knowledge or permission. Yeah, I mean, in, in, now I don't know about Canadian laws where you're at. I know in the U.S., uh, experimentation is governed by a a, legis a bill of legislation called the Common Rule, and and it's a pretty hefty uh, piece of work. Um, there's a lot of legalese and a lot of writing that essentially amounts to meaning nothing in it because there's so many distractors within the common rule that allow intelligence agencies to experiment on the public, one of which even says if it's in the best interest of the experimentation to notify the experimentees after the fact, which is typically what our government's done. You know, we had MKUltra, then we had 20, 30 years later, we had the Rockefeller Committee and the Church Commission, and, you know, they had an apology. We had Tuskegee, 
syphilis studies. 40 years later, you know, their survivors got an apology. We experimented on people in Guatemala. 20 years later, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, gave an apology. And then Obama called for the Bioethics Commission, which I spoke at the Bioethics Commission, at least on one of the meetings. And they had a whole board of apologists, ethicists from Harvard and Yale, who all claimed that, that the you know, atrocities that we saw with experimentation were post-World War II, that our current legislation protects the public. I was the only medical person there who pointed out the flaws in the common rule that it doesn't protect the public adequately, that we did need the bill that you know, Senator John Glenn had written. Four meetings, over a thousand people complaining of directed energy experimentation of each one, and in the end of the day, they still published a report saying that there didn't appear to be any non-consensual experimentation ongoing. So, mm. what would you say? I mean, here you are, a medical doctor. What would you say to people out there listening tonight who would say this can't be happening? This isn't. This is just beyond the pale. It's science fiction. Well, for one, I would say, you know, I've got a new book coming out that goes point by point over all the experimentation and all the technology called guinea pigs, technologies of control. That'll be out hopefully here in the next few months. Uh, all you have to do is look back historically. And if, if you don't believe what you're reading on the blogs, which I don't blame most people, look at freedom of information. That's coming straight from the government. You can see the direction that this technology was headed from the start. Um, and you can see that, read the common rule for yourself. Get the legislation on human experimentation. There is nothing really protecting us from experimentation, especially within intelligence agencies. Experimentation is supposed to be done with a, um, a review board. Um, if it's black budgeted, not only are you not going to even know if there is a, a review board, um, but you're not going to even know what the experimentation is to to try to police it. So one of the things that, you know, in my next book coming out is some of the things we need to correct is the government itself and society itself. Is it too late? I mean, is it too late to stop this? Are we just, you know, how many minutes to midnight before we're all being targeted, tortured, harassed? Well, you know, according to, you know, one of my good friends, Dr. Robert Duncan, I don't know if you've ever had him on your show. I have, indeed. Uh, yeah, yeah, he helped develop or work on some of the projects that led up to this technology. I know he thinks it's a little too late uh, to stop it. And, and as I've said before, there are good uses for this technology. They're just not being used. And I think most of us probably would say in a field of war, don't mind it being used as a wartime weapon, just not on innocent people. So I think we're going to need societal change and we're going to need government change. We're going to need to hold our government accountable to a standard of ethics and morality. Dr. Hall, thank you so much for your time. And uh, the book, again, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. And we'll look forward to the next one on guinea pigs shortly. Thanks. Thanks for your Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. 
have a busy show for you tonight. Uh, coming up a little bit later, uh, in the second hour, in fact, our paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, will weigh in with our monthly paranormal news roundup. And we have some great stories, including a crying boy painting in the U.K. blamed for uh, a number of house fires. Uh, is the painting cursed? We'll find out. And then uh, the big Millions Against Monsanto march is happening uh, May 20th. We'll speak to the co-founder, co-manager on that one. Uh, his name is uh, James Connor, And i um, uh, not sure where you weigh in on the whole GMO issue, but you'll want to catch that discussion. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, James Connor, both coming up in the second hour. Uh, we are about to delve into quite a remarkable discussion. I had Len Kasten, UFO researcher, freelance writer, on with me uh, on Coast to Coast. We did three hours about a month back. Uh, we're not going to have three hours, unfortunately, uh, to talk about the reptilians with Len, so we'll get somewhat of a, a more truncated version, but looking forward to this conversation immensely. He is going to reveal the reptilian empire's influence on Earth and their conquest of 21 other star systems over the millennia. He is, a, uh, as I say, a UFO researcher, freelance writer, former member of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena and the Mutual UFO Network, a feature writer with more than 50 published articles in Atlanta's Rising and New Dawn Magazine, and uh, the author of The Secret History of Extraterrestrials and Secret Journey to Planet Serpo. His latest is entitled Alien World Order, The Reptilian Plan to Divide and Conquer the Human Race. Len Kasten, climb aboard. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good, Richard. Nice to be with you. The idea, this to me is disturbing to say the least, the idea that the reptilians, this rather aggressive to say the least race of uh, extraterrestrials, they're not out there, they're underfoot and they have been for quite some time. Talk to me about where these reptilians come from, how long they've been here and how they got here. They've been here approximately 900,000 years, long time. They were here long before we were here. That's why they consider this to be their planet. However, things have changed because of their attitude towards the human race and what they've done elsewhere in the galaxy to kill uh, humans. So it's really a knockdown, drag out stalemate at this point between the human race and the reptilian race because they are still here and they're not planning on going anywhere. Okay, yeah, just disregard that thing about reptilians and aliens. That wasn't meant to be a part of this recording. I just wanted to hear the new, it's a recent John Hall interview, and here's another one. It is from Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Here we go. Here we go. This is the President of the United States. Who 
Eustace. Is it you again? Look behind you. This is my private line. How did you get through? They're everywhere. All the time. We see them every day. But you have to look behind you. There is nothing behind me. How did you get this number? Space man told me. What space man? It doesn't matter. They're telling you about monsters. Please, look behind you. Young lady, there are no monsters in the Oval Office. That's 888-673-3700. It's been a lunatic day today, for sure. And um, maybe I should just address the bear in the room, get it out of the way, and then get on with my show. You know, there are times when you're on the radio and... um,
For those of you that download it, you have it. Good for you. And uh, hopefully we can bring it back again. So, once again, the numbers are called 888 That's 888-673-3700. I, I probably should have uh, yesterday. I, I probably should have gone with the show I wanted to go with, but uh, we wanted to book a guest for the show, and it was difficult to, you know, talk about something like this without getting someone who's an expert to talk about this stuff. And um, it was because of the weekend that I had. Uh, one of the things I love about the weekends is that I can use them to just lose myself in mindless TV and movie watching. Uh, most of the time, though, Liam has the, the TV for his games. So out of respect, you know, he doesn't, if he does his schoolwork, which he does, and he goes to school and does those things, you know, he gets to use the TV for video games. And uh, his studies don't stop when school stops. I mean, he, he does read a lot, and uh, we encourage his reading, and we, uh, actually, Janine does. I'm not really there all that much, but Janine does make sure that Liam reads a lot. But um, when I have a moment, late at night, I watch TV. and do a lot of movie watching. I figured that, uh, you know, something to do. I, I do other things, too. Like, I... I went swimming this weekend, last weekend. I appeared in an independent movie. And on Sunday, I was exhausted. After several days of what we could call cool temperatures here in the Northwest, it heated up pretty bad. We got some muggy temperatures, muggy weather. We had some freak thunderstorms move through here, some really weird thunderstorms. And so um, I decided decided to, um, to retreat to the theater and catch up on new films. And I wanted to see the new Deadpool 2 movie, but it was sold out, believe it or not. So it's doing well the box office. I couldn't get a seat. I couldn't believe that there were no seats available to see uh, Deadpool 2. But there were, believe it or not, seats for Incredibles 2. Not that I didn't want to see the movie Incredibles 2. I just thought it was a family film I wanted to see with my family. But I opted to say, okay, I'm here at the theater. I might as well go see this film. I like the film, but... There was a consequence to seeing it. The Incredibles 2 triggered me. I don't want anybody to panic. I wasn't hearing voices that prompted me to kill. I was triggered into migraine headaches, and I've been having migraine headaches now for the past, well, since Sunday, Monday, and today. I'm having migraine headaches. And... um I've had migraine headaches since I had a tumor removal when I was 17, and I, uh, I also have a form of photosensitive reactions that put me into a blackout state similar to what someone goes through when they're drunk. Um, the triggers can happen with video games, video poker games, pinball machines, and strobes. That doesn't mean I don't play pinball machines. I do. Um, doesn't mean I don't play. I don't. You know, when I go to casinos, I'll play video poker. Um, I don't play video poker as a rule. Uh, but I do it uh, sometimes when I'm at uh, a casino or something. I, I don't play video games uh, at all. Um, they don't always trigger me. Uh, but when I do get triggered, I start to see streaks. Or if the room starts to get cloudy, I, I, I sense that. And I have to put glasses on and wait for my headaches to come. I've been having uh, right now uh, some memory lapses because it's been really difficult to have these headaches, and uh, I haven't been able to recall names for the past couple of days because it's like it's sometimes. So if you see me stammering or hear me stammering for anything, you'll know why. Because I've been having um, 
having these migraines. And it isn't as bothersome now as it was when I was younger, and, it, and it's often hard to explain why sometimes you wear sunglasses indoors. Uh, but it happens, and I, I have dealt with my uh, with this my whole life. And I manage I, I manage it with medication, and a lot of coffee helps out. Uh, believe it or not, I don't know why, but uh, I can down a lot of coffee when I have a migraine headache. And um, usually, if I don't have a migraine. I down a lot of coffee. My heart feels like it's jumped out of my chest. And I'm going to scream out of my skin. But no, when I have migraine for some reason, I drink a lot of coffee and it tends to balance me out. It tends to uh, make me feel a little bit more rested for some reason. I'm not as um, uppy. So uppity or uppy, I guess. So um, the way I found out that I had uh, this response uh, after I had surgery, I have a, for those of you who know me, I have a bald spot, like, right by my ear on my right side, behind the head right there. Some people have noticed it, and usually I have to tell the hairdressers when they do my hair to kind of leave it a little longer because, um, you know, it shows off this, this bump I have back in my head. It was from this um, operation I had when I was 17, a tumor operation. I uh, removed it from my head, and ever since I, I sometimes get... You know, something triggers it. I think it's allergies that trigger it. There's other things that trigger it too, like light, uh, flashes of light um, can do it. Um, but I realized this happened, or this was happening to me because I played the video game Missile Command. And what would happen is I would gaze at the screen, and like a zombie, I would keep quarter, uh, I would keep putting quarters in the machine after the strobing screen said the end. And I and I wondered if that was like planned that way, where you know you. You get mesmerized by the, the screen. I, mean, I don't know if anybody played Missile Command when they were a kid, but played Missile Command and it'd go, and then at the end it'd be flashing like relief, you know. So, also, I was in an amusement park one time and uh, we were in a horror ride. It was a terror ride, it was called. And I was in the car and this the, the ride pushed through a door and the door opened and it was in this spoil room and strobe lights and the sound going, dip, 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 dip. It's like, it sounds like a siren or something. And I just started seeing dots, and I started, I just, bleh, that was it. So, um, you know, there are advantages to this, though. I have the ability to see patterns in video games and with video poker slots. And so um, I can see the patterns and know how they're going, figure them out. So if there's a pattern of win, I can see what it's going to win. If there's a pattern of lose, I see what's going to lose. So uh, I, can, I can walk away with a little bit of money if I play them. But I don't like to because I can also walk away with no money if I just tend to get caught up and strobes and all this stuff. So I have to, like, if I play video games or pinball, I have to do it in, like, I have to do, um, you know, I have to be careful to not be stuck. You know, I, I get stuck. I can't leave. It's like, you know, has anybody ever, like, touched electricity or something that's electric? That has, that's electric? Um, when you touch something that's electric, Sometimes you're a repeller or you're a person that holds on to it. I'm a repeller when it comes to electricity, but when it comes to, uh, you know, video games or pinball machines that flash or, you know, sometimes even TV shows, I get caught up. I, I got to look at that. I mean, when I'm uh, like when I'm at a restaurant, and I'm having something to eat. and I look up and a game's on. I can't stop looking. I can't stop gazing at it. Um, I get stuck. And uh, that happens with me, too, when I'm uh, writing. I write the shows and I and I spend hours writing and producing and doing what I do. 
but I get held up onto the screen and they don't get up and walk around. Some at the screen for like three or four hours and somebody says, hey, get up and walk around. I get up and walk around. Or I find myself distracted by a phone call or something else and I get up and walk around. Now, there are a very small percentage of people that have this. And uh, some people may even get epileptic seizures or blackouts when exposed to certain light patterns or flashing lights. Um, exposure to certain patterns or backgrounds on a television screen or when playing a video game can also trigger these seizures or these blackouts. And these conditions may trigger previously undetected epileptic symptoms or seizures in persons who have no history of prior seizures or epilepsy. So this weekend, I went and saw the movie The Incredibles, Incredibles 2, back to what I was going to talk about. And actually, it, it triggered me. There were, um, there, there, the, the, the movie itself was all about um, mind control created by something called optogenetics. And uh, I, can't, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's the idea that the mind can be controlled by using pulsing lights or lasers to get a desired response. And so one of the villains who called himself Screen Slaver actually uses optogenetics or what is, what is it, uh, neuro, neuro, neuro optics uh, to program people and mind control. And so I just thought it was kind of an interesting uh, an interesting topic to be putting into a, a cartoon show for kids. In fact, somebody even emailed me and said, Clyde, you've been talking about this for years. And I said, well, I've been talking about sound waves and, and secret sound spectrum or, or silent sound spectrum. I've talked about all that. But I've never really talked about optogenetics and I never really, because it's something that, you know, quite frankly, it, it, it works on me and it works on a lot of people. I think it works on more people than, they, than, than people care to say. Um, for some people, it's more severe. Uh, for others, it, it can just lull you into this sense of mesmerism. Um, and and that's, that's good or bad, depending. I mean, it makes you hyper-focused when you see these lights. And uh, so I'm sure many people out there have this problem. But if optogenetics were to be uh, weaponized, which uh, is what I'm going to talk about tonight, it would certainly be a very effective weapon. And I'll explain why. 888-673-3700. That's 888-673-3700. I'm Clyde Lewis. You're listening to Ground Zero, and we'll be back. This is Ground Zero on FM News 101. Lewis, you're listening to Ground Zero. So optogenetics. What is optogenetics? Well, the Incredibles 2 film has brought me to this, talking about optogenetics because of what the subject matter is, and I won't give away the film. But there is a character named Screen Slaver who uh, is a villain that uses uh, optogenetics, or at least uh, light control, to mesmerize uh, people into doing things. Uh, optogenetics basically uh, incorporates methodology from the fields of optics and genetics in attempting to understand the activity of neurons in the brain. So it's the idea of firing things into the brain, whether it be lasers or anything to fire the neurons. Um, to be specific, optogenetic methods can be used to selectively activate individual neurons in the brain using lighter lasers. And this allows researchers to gain a better understanding of the function of these neurons by observing the effects of their activation. Now, what's scary about this is that 
They've been able to use optogenetics on mice. And they can turn these passive docile mice into predators where they attack each other and, and kill each other. Okay. And so what's interesting about this is, is that in the Incredibles 2 film, um, Screenslaver actually hijacks television computer monitors and broadcasts strobing lights in order to mind control his victims. And the strobes in the film, they show the strobes, actually. I can't believe they do this. They have a whole sequence. It's just loaded with strobes. I can't believe it, though. And I, and I had to kind of, you know, shield my face a bit for it because I didn't want to go into any... And I ended up getting migraines afterwards. But anyway, the, the strobes in the film are so intense that... Uh, uh, I got a migraine headache. I've been getting migraines since then, but I think, you know, I would say it's always triggered by, you know, light and sound sometimes, and it's triggered by, uh, you know, sinus problems I have. But now I was reading that notices have been placed in the theaters about how it can cause sickness or blackouts in people that are photosensitive. Uh, and what's odd is, is it, it's kind of like peanut aller- allergies, you know, in a place where like, maybe one or two percent of the population has a peanut allergy, they have signs in um, restaurants saying peanuts are used in some of the cooking here. And even, you know, the smell of a peanut or the oil of a peanut or anything can trigger an allergy. Well, these warnings that they're putting on the theaters about the photosensitive uh, reactions that can happen, that pertains to about 3% of the population for whom visual stimulation at certain intensities can cause seizures or even epileptic reactions. This is not the first time this has happened. This happens... um, like I said, it, it happened when I played the game Missile Command. And I realized when I played Missile Command, the somehow the, the flashing at the end that happens, it's, it's sequenced in such a way that it kind of zombied me out. And I didn't realize I was being zombied out by it. You know, people get the same reaction sometimes if they sit in front of their computer screen for too long. If it's an old computer screen, they find themselves, you know, their eyes start hurting or their, their, their head starts hurting or they start getting, um, you know, tight muscles in the neck. Um, and, um, you know, they, they feel tired and nauseous. And, and, and so, you know, this happens to a lot. I think it happens to a lot more people than we realize. And I don't know if you've seen the movie Incredibles 2. I don't know if you reacted to the strobing that's in the film. But, uh, you know, I, I got to warn you. I mean, if you feel that you are, um, if you're affected by these strobes uh, or the strobing or whatever, um, I would say that you bring sunglasses to the film and wear sunglasses while you're watching it because it's it's definitely uh, brilliant and bright and uh, it uh, it certainly uh, you know makes you feel kind of awkward and off balance if if you're if you're affected by it. Um, I don't know if any of you are affected by it. I mean, I'm I'm probably one of uh, a few. Um, I don't know. Triple eight six seven three thirty seven hundred. That's triple eight six six seven three thirty seven hundred. Optogenetics tonight and uh, other uh, ideas of weaponizing optogenetics, which is a possible thing. And it leads to a lot of other things that are in the news right now or that have been reported. But I want to touch on those, too, including whether or not video game play right now is uh, being uh, observed as an optogenetic form of control or making people sick. And uh, that's another story. Triple eight six seven three thirty seven hundred. We'll be back with more Ground Zero. Don't go away. FM News 101 
trying to deal with it. I deal with it with coffee. I deal with it uh, with other ways. And uh, wearing sunglasses helps. But the sucky part is, is I don't have sunglasses or prescriptions, so I have to go around not being able to read. But then again, I have blurry vision. Anyway, what happens, it's hard to speak sometimes. I have to think about what I'm about to say because I lose track of what I'm saying sometimes. Uh, but, uh, you know, it takes the edge off. You're, you're constantly in this mode of, you know, dull pain, dull headache. And uh, you do your best to, to do, I mean, being a talk show host, I mean, you got to really try to overcompensate. And so when I saw this movie, Incredibles 2, and I saw the flashes, and I saw, you know, and I felt my reaction, and my reaction was kind of like latent. It happened later on. I started thinking about optogenetics, and I thought of optogenetics because I was reading, and I have been reading uh, many new articles about how optogenetics now they're using it to find out the secrets of the brain. They're using it to know about the neuron activity in the brain. They're also using it to kind of sync up the neuron activity in the brain, neuron activity in the gut. Um, researchers are now using it to get a better understanding of the function of neurons in the brain. But if these light, this type of light stuff is used, it can also be used as a weapon. And uh, it's, it's one of those little-known secrets of... Um, uh, it's kind of like the quiet, non-lethal weapon, I guess. It can, they can use it to disorient someone. Uh, flashes of light, strobing, that sort of thing. So in the, in the Incredibles film, there's a villain, and he's named Screenslaver. And he hijacks television computer monitors and broadcasts strobing lights in order to mind control the victims, even the, in the superheroes in the film. Uh, notices now have been placed saying, hey, if you're going to take someone to the film, be, be advised that there are strobes and triggers in there that may uh, trigger photosensitive individuals. Now, I know that uh, if you go through history, um, children's programming has always had, for some reason, these strobing, um, this type of strobing stuff going on. It's going on in video games right now. It's happening, um, uh, like I said, in, in The Incredibles 2. But on December 16, 1998, it was this, uh, there was at least 700 viewers, mostly young children. They were rushed to the hospitals with symptoms ranging from nausea and hyperventilation to convulsions. After viewing the Pokemon television show. Now, ATV Tokyo 
um, TV Tokyo investigated the, the, the situation. Uh, they discovered that a particularly intense scene in which the screen had shifted back and forth in ultra-rapid succession between right, uh, bright red and, and, and blue was behind the sudden spells of sickness. So you saw, saw the strobing of, uh, of red and blue and uh, the scenes that are moving back and forth. Now, they say that the flashing reds in, in the segment might have simply overexcited some of the children. Other cases might have caused convulsions by disrupting the natural pacemakers that regulate the brain's normal patterns. Now, remember, I said that they're using optogenetics in order to, uh, you know, find out how the brain reacts to the gut, gut reacts to the brain. And uh, so the idea of the brain triggering the, uh, the vagal, uh, vagus nerve causing convulsions is is also something. I mean, this happens with people who have migraines. Sometimes migraines trigger uh, nausea enough to make people throw up and feel sick. Uh, it causes uh, abnormal tightening of the, of the body. That's a body migraine. You can get one of those. But it, it, it just basically something or changes the brain's normal patterns. And so the pacemakers of the brain go off. Uh, the the vagal uh, nerve, which is you know, this this nerve in the back of your head that goes down through your body and regulates heartbeat, uh, breathing, diaf uh, diaphragm, uh, you know, being able to urinate and, and go to the bathroom. These are the things that this vein does. It's a very important vein. And so if you're getting it tweaked by some stimulation, I mean, a lot of the children that were watching this Pokemon video, this Pokemon broadcast, they developed symptoms uh, about 20 minutes after they were exposed, okay? There was this exploding vaccine bomb set off to destroy a computer virus, and it was followed by five seconds of flashing red light in the eyes of Pikachu. Now, for those of you that know who Pokemon or the whole Pokemon thing is, Pikachu is one of the creatures in the Pokemon series. In fact, he's the main one. He's the most important one, Pikachu. So TV Tokyo imposed a health warning on future episodes, saying that watching installments of Pokemon could cause fainting and nausea. However, news coverage of the event, they were basically saying, you know, can you imagine a Japanese uh, TV show, news show, is saying, well, this is the scene that caused the problem. Well, what happened is after they showed it on the news, it triggered a whole bunch more of these episodes again. So not only were these kids affected by the first time, but older people who were watching the news were affected by it. So we had the whole mess all over again. TV stations showed the five-second flashing segment again. It made people sick again. And adults and children were all struck with the same symptoms. Ironically, though, after all the fear and the hype surrounding the cartoon, the U.S. immediately secured the rights to the show and brought it to television here. With the same results. Okay, yeah, The same results. It, they banned of that Pokemon. You can you can look at it on on the internet if you want. It's we got a video of it on the uh, on my on my uh, brownzeromedia.org page. So uh, after all the fear and the hype and all the craziness, they were saying, well, most of this should be you know probably mass hysteria. And I'm thinking, no, it's not mass hysteria. Um, around the same time, and this is what's really odd. Around the same time uh, of this report about Pokemon in Tokyo. There was a report that didn't get all that much attention as the Pokemon incident, but it's very relevant to what I'm trying to talk about tonight. U.S. information warfare experts 
reported that they had developed silent weaponry, deliverable by computer, television, or film, that would produce effects similar to what happened with the Pokemon accident. U.S. News and World Report filed a story that claimed that the Pentagon looked into the effects of strobe lights as non-lethal weapons that could stun an enemy or mass control a group through photosensitive seizures. The Russians and the Japanese also have developed the same technologies that can be beamed into televisions and computers that would cause a mass crippling of the populace in order to maintain control. Does this sound like a coincidence? Well, it isn't, because if you're watching computer-generated images or flashes from the latest action film, or if you're scrolling rapidly on your smartphone, you may feel a little off-kilter. And many people have said, wow, you know, I got I to, gotta, you know, some people, they can back off, some people are really, you know, stuck. So what you get from that is you get a dull headache, you get dizziness, creeping nausea, and you think it's something that you, things like, you know, I ate something bad or I feel bad, but it's not that. Okay, it does feel like you're sick. It feels like your guts, gut is uh, having some problems. But what it is is your brain is signaling to the rest of your body that something's wrong. Something is off kilter. Something is knocking you out of sync. So a peculiar side effect of using your phone or computer screen for a long period of time is now being called digital motion sickness or cyber sickness. It's becoming increasingly common with people. And according to medical and media experts, it causes a person to feel woozy, as if they're on a boat, you know, seasickness type feeling. And they say it's from viewing digital content that moves quickly. And people also get this type of uh, sickness from using VR goggles, virtual reality goggles. And some people, when they're doing virtual reality, they fall and they can hurt themselves because they don't have any equilibrium. The equilibrium goes goes away. So. Digital motion sickness is well-known now among medical professionals. It's, it's basically visually induced motion sickness stems from a basic mismatch between sensory inputs. I mean, if your neurons fire out of sync, if something throws them off, it can make you feel sick or even give you a cloudy head. And it even induces migraine headaches. It induces, uh, well, I'm beginning to believe that there are more people actually that are affected by this obviously it, it, it can explain a number of things that are happening right now and it can also explain a number of things pertaining to mind control and pertaining to why people are feeling um distressed or out of sorts i mean a lot of it has to do with health a lot of it has to do with the mental health who they connect with you know finding a connection but the social cohesion is dying people are burying themselves in facebook people are burying themselves in twitter uh, Instagram, they're burying themselves in video games. And so all of that exposure to screens is maybe what can be making people sick or depressed. And, and there's something else to add to the mix, and that is when they did optogenetic tests or, or um, I can't remember what else they call it. They called it um, psycho, uh, psychosensitive tests, uh, neuronics, all these things is what they call The Russians did this. They said... That what enhanced the experience or what created the experience and caused people to go, you know, just became so aggravated and, 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 and tormented was if they added a psychotropic drug to the mix. 
So you can imagine, you know, people always talk about the depression and the drugs and the psychotropic drugs that cause depression and the side effects of depression. It's a binary aspect. It's a, it's a binary conduit to all the things that are flashing in front of you. So you could be triggered into depression using a psychotropic, trying to eliminate the depression if you're exposing yourself to these things that knock your, your, uh, your, your neurons out of sync. Think about that for a moment. Think about all the reasons why you feel bad and, and ask yourself how long you spend in front of your computer. Ask yourself how long you spend in front of your TV or how long you gaze into your phone and whether or not pulses or certain things could like sneak in and put you in that mindset or put you in that nauseated woozy state, that motion sickness state. Triple eight six seven three thirty seven hundred. That's triple eight six seven three thirty seven hundred. Back with more ground zero. Don't go away. Hey guys, it's Clyde on the phone with me right now is Ronnie McMullen of Life Change Tea. Ronnie, I gotta tell you, I tried the tea. It's not only the tea that makes you go, but it's the tea that makes you lighten up. Why does it work so well? Well, we have intruders in our air, in our water, and what the foods we eat because GMO foods were attacked. They don't even mark what foods are labeled and, and full of GMOs, which by the way, GMO is genetically modified organism, which means you have another organism from something else in your body changing your DNA and that's the whole purpose so this kind of goes and tries to get rid of all the intruders and slides them right out and that's why it's kind of the nickname the tea that makes you go you know it's always been said that a lot of problems start in the digestive tract if you have a bad gut feeling you'll have a bad feeling overall how does this eliminate that bad gut feeling well it goes right in and takes care of the intestines cleans them all out so you get rid of all the garbage and here's the cool thing Herbs know their friends. And so herbs and good friends and other herbs, that's all good. But let's say you're eating like something that is you shouldn't be eating, it will actually take that out. Like and people have to know that when they take this tea, you need to take it two hours before or two hours after you take a pharmaceutical drug because it will see that drug as an intruder and take it out of your body. Uh, what exactly is in the tea? All kinds of things like uh, persimmon leaves, uh, marshmallow root, mava leaves. I mean, it goes on. It, it's uh, aloes in there. I've got moringa in there. It, it's like eight, ten items in this tea. So this is a real cleanse for the body, a daily cleanse for the body. Daily cleanse for the body every single day. People say, oh, yeah, I, I took it for a month and it was great. And I don't need to take it anymore. And I just say to them, that's like still washing your car once and then saying, oh, you know, I don't need to wash my car ever again. Wrong. Thank you so much, Ronnie McMullen. It's Life Change Tea, a unique blend of all natural ingredients. It's not only the tea that makes you go, it's the tea that lightens you up. Just go to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. More with Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on FM News 101. <laughs> Genetics, a concern of mine. Why? Because I get triggered sometimes, migraine headaches, if I'm exposed to certain types of synchronized lights or unsynchronized lights. Sometimes even the old fluorescent lights that used to have the, the uh, jittery effect would make me go into some sort of a, uh, a sick feeling or the feeling that uh, I'm out of my brain a little bit, kind of uh, uh, a pain in the head, kind of irritated. Let's go to Spencer in New York. Hi, Spencer. You're on Ground Zero. Hello, how are you? I'm okay. Um, I, 
would like to to say a couple things, and then I'll let then I'll let whatever however it goes it goes. First off, with this television and noise and sound and the flashing lights. A while back, before the digital conversion, I had an old style television, and the fuse kept blowing in it. Finally, we switched over to a newer style television, and never happened again. And then weird stuff started happening again. So I took the free government digital receiver, have a shortwave radio, and hooked up to the cable and the satellite. And behind every channel and every picture, depending on what they're pulsing their area with or changing the weather with, you have a different geometric pattern appear like in an oscilloscope. Oh, yeah. In an old-style television. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. But you cannot see it. Have you ever, have you ever, put, the, uh, have you ever put the EAS tone under an oscilloscope? A what? The EAS tone. No. Because it is a pulse. It is pulsed. You don't hear the pulse, but it's a pulse tone. It pulses. Unbelievable. Yeah. It, it and when they, and that's why, when they saturate an area, right. if you take a keyboard, a wireless keyboard or a keyboard on a laptop or anything like that, and you put it up to a radio, anything digital either slows down or speeds up. It's It actually, it's like a keyboard, like a, a key is further away from point A to point B oh, yeah. than the signal to a computer. They can actually... Pumps up, they pump something into an area, and and it changes the pitch, the tone, and the duration it takes for the signal to go to your computer, right. your cell phone, anything digital. Right. So the pulse, the pulse right now is at a rate where I think we've been kind of uh, mesmerized into feeding into it. Although some people are beginning to say, well. I'm, I'm feeling a little sick. Uh, it makes me feel a little weird when I'm looking at my phone. It makes me feel weird when I'm looking at my TV. And uh, now the World Health Organization is saying that uh, video game now, video game addiction is a sickness. It's, it's a mental, well, mental illness. Because it's, only, it's amplified by what they do. It's like being able to pick up extra wireless Right. And um, sites on your computer well, the when brain, they're pumping this stuff in right. an area. The brain fires back to what it's fired at. And so it's this exchange of information that happens. And so if the exchange falls short or if it causes a, a circuit to blow, this is why people feel the way they do. It's uh, it's science. We'll be back in foreground zero. Don't go away. Complacently in the darkness, covered and blinded by a blanket of little lives, False security has lulled the madness of this world into a slumber. Wake up. An eye is upon you, staring straight down and keenly through, seeing all that you are and everything that you can never be. Yes, an eye is upon you, an eye ready to blink. So face forward arms wide open and mind reeling, your future has arrived. Are you ready to go?
So over the weekend, as I said in the first hour, I went to the film Incredibles 2, and I really didn't want to see it. I wanted to, I wanted to go see the movie uh, Deadpool 2, <laughs> but I ended up seeing The Incredibles. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel bad that I saw it. I, I thought it was a great film, but I have to warn you. Uh, if you're a person that suffers from photosensitive uh, reactions, don't go see the film unless you're wearing sunglasses or, or you're shielding yourself because the film, act, the film actually trig, triggered me. And uh, you know, I don't want you to freak out about it because I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not some Manchurian candidate or anything like that. I'm not hearing voices in my head or anything like that. I was triggered into migraine headaches and I've been having uh, bouts with migraines now it started after I saw the film, and it's been working its way uh, into today. And, uh, you know, when I have migraine headaches, um, it, it, it creates, um, it just creates a, a little bit of a, a cloudy feeling in my head. I see streaks. It's hard for me sometimes to think as quickly as I normally do. Um, and so I, you know, I sometimes stutter or stammer or I stop and I have to rethink what I'm going to say again. So I had my, I've had migraine headaches since I had a tumor removal when I was 17. I'm prone to tumors and cancers because I have a little something called tuberous sclerosis. And uh, so when I was 17, I had this tumor removed from the back of my head near my ear, which uh, helps with the equilibrium problems and everything else when you have these migraines or these photosensitive reactions. And when I have photosensitive reactions, they put me into a blackout state sometimes. It's a blackout state similar to what someone goes through when, they, when they're drunk. You know, they, they drink too much and they kind of like go, go into this, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm blacking out. I, you know, their eyes are wide open, but they're not there. Well, triggers with me happen uh, with video games, video poker games, pinball machines, and strobes. You know, they don't always trigger me, but... If I start seeing streaks in the room or if it starts to get cloudy, you see like this aura thing or whatever, I have to put on glasses and wait for the headache to come. And then when it comes, I have to basically drown myself in coffee. It's the weirdest thing. It's like I say, I need coffee. Um, I'm even drinking it black by this time, you know, or I'm, I'm drinking the strongest ones I can find. Um, like today, for example, I had coffee at breakfast and then I went to Starbucks and had a, a, a huge, you know, six shot coffee and then... Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking to myself, I should have another one so I can start thinking and talking straight. But I'm, uh, I'm doing okay, I think. I'm doing okay. Uh, but see, these triggers, I mean, it, they're not as bothersome as they were when I was younger. I mean, when I was younger, it was hard to explain why sometimes I had to wear, you know, sunglasses indoors or if I wanted to, you know, hang out in the basement. Because I did. I, I had to move a lot of my stuff into the basement because it was always darker down there. Um and so I was able to go downstairs, be in a dark room, a lot of candles, and it's just kind of like I'm dark and foreboding and mysterious because I hang out in the basement and I, and you know, that's kind of how I, the image started really because it was like, you know, you see streaks in the room and lightning flashes and strikes. You're like, well, what the hell? So yeah, this film triggered me because there's some really 
you know, flat. I mean, I found out that I had this because um, what had happened is I used to play a lot of video games when I was a kid. And one game in particular I liked playing was the game called Missile Command. And at the end of Missile Command, it would go the end and it would flash like that. And it would flash and I'd go, ooh, put another quarter in. Ooh, put another quarter in. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, put another quarter in. Ooh, piece of candy. And I, and I put the quarter in the machine, and uh, my father wanted me to, you know, figure out what was going on because I remember one time I called him. I was at the mall, and I had spent, get this, I had spent $25 uh, playing Missile Command. And I got so caught up into it, I didn't even go to the movie I wanted to go see. I was in a movie theater in the arcade playing Missile Command, and I was playing it for hours. Another example of this is that I was at a casino. I was at the Luxor, first time in Vegas, at the Luxor. And uh, I was in, I got off a plane. I was dead tired. I got into a craps table, and I got to a machine. And I started looking at the machine and started figuring out that these patterns were happening. And I was able to go, tonk, 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 chink, clink, clink, clink. I'm getting these jackpots in about three or four hours time. I made $1,200 because I was figuring it out. And, and people say, oh, you can't figure out a problem. I can't because the thing is the flashing lights and everything I get in sync with. It's like almost like I live in the machine. It's, it's like it, it just sucks me in. So, you know, I've had this form of photosensitive reactions that put me in this blackout state sometimes. And sometimes it gives me the, the, the migraine headache. So, um, but yeah, if anybody remembers playing Missile Command, this is what triggered this type of thing. Well, um, the, the movie, again, Incredibles 2, there's a character there. His name is uh, Screenslaver, and he's the villain. And what he does is he uses uh, strobing lights on a screen, on computers and TV screens, and he uses... Um, that for mind control. And so uh, as I was at the film, like I said, there was a scene where uh, immediately things started flashing and, and I had to basically cover my eyes and put on some sunglasses and, and I leaned back and closed my eyes and waited for it to end. I could see it was flashing. But it wasn't enough. I had to, I had this, I started getting these migraines. And um, I started thinking about optogenetics. I started thinking about, uh, you know, Studies I've read about optogenetics, how they can get neurons to fire in the brain by using light in the eyes, and they use these uh, these uh, disorienting uh, type of weapons where all they have to do is flash a light at uh, the person, and they can just render them, uh, you know, completely in, into a hypnotic state. So now notices have been placed in the theaters about how it can cause sickness or blackouts in people that are photosensitive, and the warnings pertain to about 3% about of the people for whom this visual stimulation in certain intensities can cause seizures or even epileptic reactions, and this is not the first time it's happened. Uh, back in 1998, there were about 700 viewers, uh, mostly young children, that were rushed to hospitals in, in Tokyo, Japan, because it was during a, uh, uh, there was a viewing of the Pokemon television show. And what had happened is that after about 20 minutes, uh, after these kids were exposed to red, uh, bright red and blue flashes, they all became sick. They got nauseous and they were vomiting and some of them were in a trance. They, they, they couldn't come out of it. And so they were saying that maybe the flashing red lights might have simply overexcited some of the kids. Other cases, uh, it may have 
may have caused convulsions by disrupting the natural pacemakers that regulate the brain's normal patterns. Some also believe that just sitting too close to the TV caused this. Well, most of the children developed this, and uh, the uh, Tokyo News actually uh, put a health warning on future episodes of Tokyo TV station. But it was a Tokyo News station that said that this had caused this, and they reran the sequence, basically sending other people to the hospital and then causing other people to have this. So I was poking around <laughs> after the Pokemon uh, episode situation, and I found out that uh, there were a number of documents from 1971 and beyond where uh, U.S. information warfare experts were saying that there was a silent weapon that was deliverable by computer, television, and film that they would use to produce the effects similar to the Pokemon accident. Uh, and U.S. News & World Report filed a story that claimed that the Pentagon had looked into the effects of using strobe lights as non-lethal weapons that could stun an enemy or mass control a group through these photosensitive seizures, and they would deliver it with either strobes or TV screens or, I mean, you know, you know it would bring people into that type of mindset. So if you're seeing a pattern here, if you're hearing about a coincidence, if you're, if you see yourself or if you feel like, uh, you know, after using your computer, you get uh, stomach upset or if you're getting a dull headache or dizziness or it's creeping up on you like this, it may not be that you've ate something bad. It could be that you're having this type of what they call uh, digital motion sickness or cyber sickness because of fast moving images. And I think there are, I'm beginning to believe that there are more people that are affected by this and that this could explain a number of things that pertain to mind control uh, habitual use of computers, habitual use of phones. I mean, it's a bit disturbing to think that people can be affected by light patterns and can create a hypnotic state. And um, in fact, uh, I was reading yesterday and I heard today that the World Health Organization has now declared that some video games are actually becoming a form of digital heroin and they are actually likening the flashing images to highly addictive drugs. The World Health Organization announced that gaming disorder is a new mental health condition included in the 11th edition of the International Classification of Diseases. A diagnosis standard, it's the, uh, it's the book that says uh, this is how uh, doctors and medical practitioners use it to diagnose diseases. There are three major diagnostic features or characteristics of gaming disorder. One is that the gaming behavior takes precedence over other activities to the extent that other activities are taken to the periphery. The second feature is impaired control of these behaviors, even when the negative consequences occur and this behavior continues or escalates. And uh, this can be persistent or reoccurrent behavior. And the third feature is that the condition leads to significant distress and impairment in personal, family, social, education, or occupational functioning. So the impact is real. People are being mesmerized by these screens. Uh, the characteristic is very similar to the diagnostic features of substance use and disorders and also gambling disorders. So doctors are saying that in order to, for diagnosis to be accurate, the patterns must be duplicated for at least a year. But what does this mean for optogenetics? What does this mean for the idea that they can fire light lasers or whatever to get neurons to go in different directions of the brain? It can even take docile creatures like mice and turn them into predators. I was thinking that this needs to be discussed. And uh, Dr. John Hall, one of my favorite people, is coming on the show tonight to talk about this. We're going to talk about just how uh, pervasive this type of triggering can be and whether or not we all can be victims of this type of optogenetic triggering. 
uh, tonight, call in and we can talk with Dr. Hall. 888-673-3700. That's 888-673-3700. We'll be back. Back to Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis on FM News 101. Dr. John Hall is a medical doctor from San Antonio, Texas, and the author of a new breed satellite terrorism in America and guinea pigs, Technologies of Control. Both books deal with the phenomenon of electronic harassment and organized stalking. He's an active member of the Mind Science Foundation dedicated to the study of human consciousness and sat on the medical committee of the Human Rights Organization, Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. Dr. John Hall is one of my favorite people, and we're glad to have him on the program. Hi, Dr. Hall. How are you? Hey, Clyde. Long time. I know. And, and what a time to get together and talk. There's so many things right now in the news that uh, certainly, I mean, it's affected me. I don't know if it's affecting a lot of other people, but... I guess you heard the story I went and saw Incredibles 2, and I got triggered into migraine headaches. I've been having them now, um, some really bad episodes with them uh, since Sunday. And uh, it, it just uh, it kind of threw me off a bit, and, and it's also kind of throwing off my, my speech patterns and how I speak and everything, and I have the aura and the whole nine yards. And I got to thinking about optogenetics and, and some of the studies that they've done on using that as a weapon to take docile creatures and turn them into predators. And I was just curious about... You know, how, I mean, I'm not saying that the Disney movie is uh, is making me want to go out and kill, but I'm just kind of curious about, you know, now they're talking about the video games or video game addiction is now a mental disorder. And I'm just curious about what your thoughts are about how these flashing lights can trigger this in people. Well, that technology has actually progressed rather quickly and, and kind of eerily. And we will get into that a little bit later, but... The flashing lights themselves actually activating areas of the brain to cause seizure disorder and migraine, they've known about for quite some time. As a matter of fact, you know, in my practice, you do anesthesia pain management. A lot of times when we're waking somebody up from anesthesia or taking them in on a stretcher and we have them flat on their back, we've always covered their eyes or put sunglasses on them as you're rolling them down a hospital hallway. So as the fluorescent lights come bouncing by them, that they don't have seizures. Because that alone is, is, you know, pretty easy to stimulate a seizure in someone who's seizure prone. And a, another thing that you may have noticed and some of your listeners may have noticed, if you're ever driving down the road and you have your window down in your car and you're driving, let's say you're driving past a ticket fence or a line of trees, mm-hmm. and you go, if you're going about 40 miles an hour and the sun is on the horizon, where you get that shadowing, rapid shadowing and flicker rate from the trees shadowing the light, almost everyone will kind of get toward the border of seizure activity with their brain when they experience that. And that's been known for a long time, and that's where we take precautions, you know, of it in surgery. But like you said in your intro, you know, they've, they've known that certain flicker rates can stimulate the human brain to either have migraines or even more so have seizure activity. So, and they've really expanded on that in, in the weapons arena. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious to me that, uh, you know, the Russians and um, Japanese and the Chinese have developed these uh, weapons. In fact, there was, uh, there was something that was released that I saw uh, uh, that was uh, released, a 1971 document that was released, um, actually uh, from 1972, rather, 
It was called Controlled Offensive Behavior. And what it is is it, it, it basically talks about Soviet advances using, uh, using flashing light patterns as a way to disorient targets, induce audio hallucinations, and brain fog. You, can you believe that? They have that out yeah. now. Well, and, you know, most of the stuff that's been, a lot of this research started in the you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s. But what's even more amazing is that you can see what they're working on. They're, of course, they always break it down and, oh, it's, you know, going to help people with Alzheimer's or, you know, help seizure disorder. And then they go, oh, it probably will be a good weapon, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it's amazing that there's still people out there that go, well, you know, I don't think mind control is really possible. They're working on every single physical avenue that there is to actually control the brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we're going to get into later, you'll, you'll see a lot of it is actually through the brain initiative that started uh, some time ago. But I wanted to tell you, I've got an interesting story for that's similar to your story at the theater. I was in Vegas about five years ago for a medical conference mm-hmm. and decided to break away from the conference and go see, it was one of the water-based CERT SLA. Mm-hmm. Shows where a bunch of flashing lights and guys diving off of the platform into water and dangling on ropes with waterfalls. Um, lady next to me uh, turns out it had fever disorder, and the strobing lights behind the, the guys diving in the water was enough to set her off, and she went into full grand mal seizures in the theater. Wow. So I had to clear her airway, wait till the season finished, and then and get her out of that theater while she was close to the you know, that transient period, like the blackouts you have, right, if you have a bad migraine. Right, and and that, and those are the things that are, are, are weird because you just go into this state of, you know, nothing phases you, you're just staring, and you, you, it's, it's just a, it's kind of a block for a moment, and you don't remember much of it uh, because of the of the flashing. Dr. John Hall with us tonight on Ground Zero. We're discussing op, optogenetic, uh, optogenetics, there I'll say it, optogenetics, we're talking about that tonight. Uh, how it triggers the brain and what science is doing for mind control using lights, strobing, and otherwise. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And uh, something was just released, published in 1972, called Controlled Offensive Behavior, detailing apparent Soviet advances using flashing light patterns as a way to disorient targets. 888 We'll be back. More with Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on FM News 101.
program tonight is because I went and saw the movie Incredibles 2, and uh, there are a lot of sequences in there, a lot of strobing going on, because in fact the whole show deals with optogenetics. Now, what are optogenetics? Well, it's a, it's a way to use lights, firing neurons in the brain to get it to do things it wouldn't normally do, and it kind of gets the neurons to fire out of sync. It can create nausea, it can, it can contain, uh, it can basically disorient a target. It can turn mice into predators, and uh, this is uh, something that uh, I, I don't think many people are aware of, and, and yet we're hearing in the news now stories about people who are getting uh, what is known as uh, cyber distress disorder, or they're getting sick from uh, reading their, uh, their, their cell phones, they're getting sick from being at their screens too long, and then we have the uh, World Health Organization declaring that uh, there's a, now a mental illness associated with video game play. So I figured Dr. John Hall would be the guy to talk to about this, and so he's on the program tonight. You know, it just seems to me that these stories have, um, have, have come to light within just days of this, this triggering that goes on during Incredibles 2. Do you think that maybe there's going to be an upswing in discussing uh, optogenetics and, and what they may mean uh, as far as weapons and how we're being influenced by visual images and, and uh, what we call light frequency changes? Oh, big time. In the last decade, there's been a big upswing in, in the technology involving um, optogenetics. And a lot of your listeners probably don't even know the term or aren't familiar with it. It's one of those things that scientists were working on as a lab tool for many years. It actually started a lot of years ago. I mean, they, they, were, they were working on it in the 80s and 90s. It kind of reached its kind of more perfected states for, for research ability and 2010, 2012, and in the last decade since then, or I guess the last you know six years since then, has really taken off in isolating certain proteins that allow you to do it. Now, I will kind of warn your listeners: this is very complex technology, and I'm certainly going to try to 
brush over it um, in the most easily understandable way I can. But, you know, when you're talking about optogenetics, there's one particular form of using light as a weapon or using light as a therapy, however you want to look at it, that you're kind of talking about. And then you have using light as a trigger, which is more, you know, the flashing lights are coming together, coming from a stove or the flashing lights in a movie or embedding a flicker rate, you know, to create subliminal messages or to stimulate brain activity in a, in a video. I mean, both kind of achieving the same thing, but, you know, mechanically a little bit different as far as it's done in the brain. You know, with all of the um, technology that exists and the idea that they're rolling out 5G, the question I have is, you know, it says that 3% of the people that go see Incredibles 2 will be affected by the, the flashing uh, strobes in the film. Although the whole film is about flashing strobes controlling the mind. And I, I find it ironic that they say only 3% are affected when practically everybody in the film is affected by these strobes, by this screen uh, slaver guy, this, this, this character in the movie. And so I got the, I got the message as I was affected. I'm curious as to whether or not more than 3% of the population is affected by this type of sequencing because of all the news we're having now about suicides and, and being stuck on video games and sickness from uh, moving uh, pictures through your phone. I mean, I think more people are affected by it. What do you think? I think 100% of people are affected by it. As a matter of fact, I think um, given the right amount of time uh, and the willingness of a, a volunteer to do it, I think you can find the right frequency and, um, and flicker rate of any type of light to eventually make someone have a seizure or a migraine or nausea. I think everyone is, I think 100%. People had, I think they have different sensitivity levels, but I think 100% of humans are sensitive to it. You can make just about anybody have a seizure with the right flicker rate. And as far as 5G goes, I can already tell you that 100% of people will be affected by 5G. There'll be no escaping it. It's the Internet of Things. So we'll be seeing more people probably having effects of um, what we'd call uh, pulsed electronic uh, exposure from 5G. And some of the pulse electronic exposure from all the things they're sending out those electronic pulses, and uh, what may be going out over your phone or over your TV screen. Am I correct? Yeah, because the you know 5G has no no delay or no lag time. Now the problem with 5G is it also has no room. So right now with 4G or with LTE, you know you can you know be miles away from a cell phone tower and still get you know relatively good reception. It, you know sometimes it'll still have a you know three to five second you know, millisecond delay, but that's the whole point of 5G is that there's no delay. So you can have driverless cars, you can have instantaneous actuation of switches or buttons or sensors that you may be monitoring a person or the environment with. But in order to do that, you have to basically have 5G transmitter towers everywhere, and they've already started putting them up. I had a friend of mine call me the other day. We had a picture. He goes, they just stuck this little tower up in front of my house. What the hell is this? And it's a 5G tower because they're already working on the infrastructure because they're going to need towers everywhere to carry it. So it, it, one way to look at it is it would, it would be essentially everywhere, everywhere you go, it's going to be like you walking around in your home with a router and a trail. And that's going to expose everybody, and they're going to be feeling it or probably sensing it. Yeah, because there are a lot of people who are, who are really electronically sensitive, 
Um, and we still really don't know what total immersion. I mean, there's going to be no escaping it. I mean, right now you can, I mean, you can kind of still get off the grid a little bit and get away from some 4G or LTE. There are places where there's no cell signals and, and no towers. Mm-hmm. There'll pretty much be no escaping, you know, 5G because the whole point of going that direction is, is for the Internet of Things. It's, you know, to fly. able to actuate sensor seismic sensors that are telling you where population trends are, where seismic activity is, you know, where bacteria are producing methane in the soil. You know, I mean, it's really a whole plethora of things that they'll be monitoring through 5G, and it's a little bit scary. I want you to tell me a little bit about this, this new finding that the World Health Organization is pushing the idea of what could be called um, addiction, or at least it's the um, ICD that uh, the World Health Organization announced gaming disorder uh, in the International Classification of Diseases. And uh, this was just uh, put into the book, I think, um, last week, last Friday. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, they're saying it's, it's you know, game addiction, but could it be uh, part of the optogenetic warfare that's going on right now? Sure. I mean, it could be intentional. I mean, uh, the psychiatric community always kind of follows along what happens in real society, you know, and they, you know, they don't have anything diagnosed ahead of time, psychiatric. They wait till societal trends and changes happen, and then they look at it, they go, oh, well, this looks like it could be psych- you know, psychological diet. Let's call it a disorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it's always done. You know, having too much sex, you have a sexual disorder. You're eating too much, you have an eating disorder. Right. After playing too many video games, it's a video disorder. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I can I can see both sides of it being a physician. I mean, I can see where, yeah, you know, you do have people that kind of they go into it a little obsessively. They're doing it too much. It's interfering with their home life and personal relationships. Mm-hmm. But then I can see the other side of it where not everything is a psychological disorder. You know, and, and I think we've talked about this before. I had a psychiatrist friend of mine tell me, he goes, well, we can find something just about everyone. Well, if you can find something that will fit a psychiatric disorder of just about everyone, then maybe you're diagnosing everyday normal human stress. Well, I mean, yeah, when, I, when I hear, when I, okay, when I've heard uh, some of the horror stories, or for example, there was like a 10-year-old girl who was playing Fortnite. She couldn't stop playing Fortnite. She kept playing it and playing it. Her family didn't know that she was 18 hours on the game, not even leaving the couch. She had urinated herself. And uh, there was another story about a kid that was playing uh, uh, a video game, and uh, he he didn't even take breaks to get a drink of water or anything, and he was dehydrated. And so we have these horror stories of kids that are not getting up, that are so mesmerized by the screen and by the flashes, and it makes me wonder if they have photosensitive uh, disorders. No, and I agree with you. And certainly either they have disorders or... You know, the powers that be made sure that everyone had a cell phone in their hand so they could be exposed to it for control means. At least, you know, thank goodness in our day we didn't have to worry about that. About an hour of playing with the cup and ball and you were pretty well done. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, after, after looking over the, um, and I wanted to get into that with you too. I mean, obviously they're rushing to pattern the human brain and uh, optogenetics are part of this to find out how the, how the brain reacts to certain stimuli. But I was looking at these declassified documents that the Soviets had already experimented with the use of flashing lights for the purpose of eliciting behavioral change in human targets. 
Um, and they also use interactions of pulse, sound, light, and also olfactory stimuli. So not only were they able to flash lights in people, uh, use certain sounds in people, they would use certain smells to activate certain feelings of paranoia, aggravation, anger. And um, so we can now assess that Russia and China have developed a system that alters behavior by combining two or more systems to mask uh, the use of the principal weapon, which makes me think a lot about these Cuban uh, refugee, uh, these Cuban diplomats, rather, and the Chinese diplomats, and apparently have been attacked. At first we were saying it was infrasound, but now I'm wondering if it's a combination of optogenetics and sound, and it's creating white brain disorders, which uh, basically concussive disorders. Well, if you remember when that first happened in Cuba, I think you had me on like the next day. Mm-hmm. And if you go back in your files, I, I told you very specifically, this isn't sonic weapons. Eventually, it's going to come out that it's electromagnetic weapons, sonic weapons won't do this. And most of the researchers at Penn State that, are, that I have been in contact with now that uh, are working with some of these victims, even they started questioning uh, you know, several months ago if this was really sonic weapons. And then you have the apologists coming out in the psychology today saying, oh, it's mass hysteria and group delusional disorder. Well, then it came, came to light in China. Well, you know, it's a group delusional disorder in China, too, because they heard about what happened to the folks in Cuba, and now they're just replicating in their, in their, in their delusional state. But, you know, when, once they identified the white track uh, damage in these people MRIs, then they finally came to the conclusion that it's probably electromagnetic weapons, and that's coming directly from some of the Canadian officials looking at it and right. some of the researchers at Penn State. Now, the optogenetics could be a factor in that because now, I mean, as we'll get into later, because it, it really gets complex, but they do have some molecules that react to light now where you don't have to be inside the skull or, you know, or have a probe in the skull. You can do it from outside the skull. What we'll do uh, is we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Dr. John Hall with us tonight on Ground Zero. Optogenetics. New form of mind control, a new weapon. Is this why a number of people are getting sick looking at their phones and their TV screens? Is this why people are addicted to video games? And is this why Incredibles 2 triggered me into having migraine headaches? We'll be back with Ground Zero. Don't go away. Hey, everybody, this is National Talk Show host Clyde Lewis of Ground Zero, and it's my honor to announce that George Norrie has been nominated to the National Radio Hall of Fame. But to be inducted, he needs your vote. And you can vote several times. By text, you can dial 96000, like a phone number, that's 96000, then text the number 700. If you have numerous phones, you can vote as many times as you want on those phones. That's 96000, and then text 700. Also, you can do it by email as many times as you can with different computers. Just go to www.radiovote.com. Vote now until June 18th, and let's get George Norrie elected to the National Radio Hall of Fame. For full information, also, you can go to coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. Vote for George Norrie. You're listening to Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis on FM News 101. Dr. John Hall is with us tonight on Ground Zero. I guess a question uh, that sticks out here as well is another question. What would be the purpose of unleashing, you know, um, this type of, um, I guess you'd call strobing 
or optogenetics uh, on people, uh, would it be to create or at least instill in people's minds the fact that they may be losing their minds and that they may need medications? Certainly. I mean, because medications are another way to control people. Psychiatry is a way to control people. And, you know, anybody who doesn't think that mind control truly exists, and I get this question all the time in multiple interviews, look at the research. All the research that's being done from every facet of ways to control the brain is being done. I mean, through light, through electronics, through behavioral studies, through subliminals. I mean, I mean, it's all, there's a ton of money being spent on how to control the human mechanism. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, that can go nowhere, but eventually full group control. So, I mean, it's, I mean, just look around you. Cause I mean, it's really easy to, to look at the research that's being done and people will say, well, this can help veterans that have lost a limb control the limb or it can help the blind see or it'll help with Alzheimer's, and yeah, there, there are those applications, but there's the other applications, too, that typically are, are bad, that are weapons experimentation on the innocent prior to using it on a battlefield, and and that's kind of where I have written my book from that point of view, that until we have good safeguards to protect the public from non-consensual experimentation, which we don't in this country, then, you know, I'm always going to be a little bit leery about new technology that has the capacity for good that is usually being used for bad. Right, exactly. And uh, we are going to explore this more. Dr. John Hall with us tonight on Ground Zero. A number of things in the news that have prompted this this um, exploring into optogenetics is, one, people have been carried out of Incredibles 2 fainting from seizures because they've been triggered by strobes. A uh, report from the World Health Organization, there is now a, uh, a mental illness to deal with, and that is a new mental illness, video game mental illness, or being addicted to video games uh, to the point of it causing uh, blackouts, uh, making people sick. But, you know, this goes back to the optogenetics argument. Are we seeing these things creeping into normal things as a way to create mass mind control? And that would mean rendering the population sick, nauseous, having convulsions and seizures, blacking out, doing things they wouldn't normally do while under the influence uh, of this type of hypnotic feeling. And uh, I was one of those who was triggered uh, going to Incredibles too. I, 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 was, I was actually uh, triggered into having migraines. I've been having a series of migraine headaches since Sunday and I've been dealing with them as best I can. So yeah, if you're gonna go see Incredibles 2, be ready, wear your sunglasses if you're easily triggered by strobes. We'll be back with more Ground Zero, don't go away.
tonight, 888-673-3700. That's 888-673-3700. Hello, Mike. The biggest, I think, most terrifying thing of all is mind control in mass. And what I mean is mass mind control and people aren't even aware that they've been triggered or they're not even aware that they've been led into this this uh, feeling of uh, sickness or dis-ease or a feeling kind of aggravated or angry or paranoid. And no one knows why. They just decide, well, why is this happening? Um, and one of the things that uh, comes to mind is I went and saw Incredibles 2 over the weekend. And in the film, in fact, it was really interesting. I walked out of that film thinking, I need to do a show about this. And somebody had sent me an email telling me that she went to the film and said, man, she sat through the whole film going, this is something that Clyde should talk about or something Clyde has talked about. And that's electronic harassment, photosensitivity, electronic sensitivity. In the movie Incredibles 2, the villain who is named Screenslaver, uh, his weapon of choice in the movie is bright white lights that are rapidly flashing, strobing in a frequency, in a, in a pulsed sense. And the intent is to hypnotize and disorient people with the flashing lights. Now, one of these scenes in the film, there's this actually, it was weird because I could handle the small screens that were flashing to get people mesmerized in the movie, um, in, in the characters, rather. But then we get into this one scene that lasts over 90 seconds, and it's in a room where the entire room is strobing which has a whole theater strobing. 90 seconds of continuous strobing, very fast. In fact, it triggered a migraine in me. And there were scenes afterwards that lasted anywhere from five to 30 seconds. They were spread out through the entirety of the film and they occur without warning. You don't know when you're gonna get pulsed by these huge bright lights. Now, I went, I'm not the only one that had this experience. Many viewers have tweeted now, they've reported getting headaches, nausea, and even instances of fainting, uh, they've been fainting in the screenings of the film, having full-on seizures. Others have called for additional warnings to be posted, acknowledging how extensive the use of lights is in, this, in these multiple scenes. Some have even noted that they hope Disney releases a photosensitivity safe version of the film when it comes to DVD. Now, people are saying they don't want the film to change because the film is so good, and the, the whole strobing thing adds to the plot. But what worries me is that at the same time, this idea of uh, strobing lights and screens and whatever can uh, give you this zombie-like sensation. And when they say that a very small percentage of people are, are actually um, activated by this, I say, you know, I say about 3% of the people will be uh, triggered by this. I say no. I say a lot of people are triggered by this. And why? Because of optogenetics and how they incorporate the methodology of using optics and lights and lasers to actually uh, change the neuron firings of the brain. And so, you know, you can go back to 1998 with the Pokemon sickness. 700 kids got sick from seeing flashes on Pokemon. Then when they showed it on the nightly news, some 600, 700 more people got sick. And I uh, actually uh, was doing some research from the U.S. Information on Warfare and apparently, silent weaponry deliverable by computer television or film was already in the works back in the 1950s uh, to somehow uh, use flashes of light that can uh, create uh, a feeling of nausea. Uh, apparently, there is now uh, some new 
diseases, the Center for the, the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control are now looking. One is uh, something called digital motion sickness or cyber sickness. And what that is, is that if you are using your phone or computer screen and you're flipping it by for a period of time, or if you're staring at your screen for a period of time and start getting headaches and nausea, uh, and people are, are getting a playing VR, virtual reality. Digital motion sickness. Uh, medical professionals are now saying that it's visually induced motion sickness from basic mismatch between sensory inputs of light and the brain. If your neurons are firing out of sync, it can make you feel sick or even give you a cloudy head. It can give you headaches. It can even give you full-on seizures. And I'm beginning, there are more people out there that are affected by this, and that is why this can explain also why the World Health Organization announced just the other day that gaming disorder is a new mental health condition, and it's been put in the 11th edition of its International Classification of Diseases, citing that we're seeing a lot of characteristics of gaming disorder in young people. One is that the gaming behavior takes precedence over other activities to the extent that other activities are taken to the periphery, pushed aside. The second feature is impaired control of these behaviors. Even when the negative consequences occur, this behavior continues or escalates. A diagnosis of gaming disorder then means that a persistent or reoccurrent behavior pattern of sufficient severity has emerged, that's according to the ICD. A third feature is that the condition leads to a significant distress and impairment of the pers uh, about personal, family, social, educational, or occupational functioning. The impact is real and may include disturbed sleep, diet problems, and a deficiency in, the fi in, in physical activity. Overall, the main characteristics are very similar to the diagnostic features of substance abuse or, or, or gambling disorders or you know, alcoholism. Now, I don't think anyone wants to report that perhaps games and other flashes are rudimentary form of mind control that would not be good for business. However, a highly advanced form of light frequencies could be responsible for some of the unexplained cases of brain damage that has been said to plague American and Canadian diplomats in Cuba, and now the condition has spread to China. In the X-Files episode, uh, there was an X-Files episode called Wet Wired, where Agents Mulder and Scully look into a series of homicides where the killers were otherwise normal and harmless people. Somehow, though, all the perpetrators suddenly became delusional and triggered by a mysterious unknown force. The investigation finds that the killers were triggered by a color spectrum and sound manipulation originating from a tampered cable television box. Scully eventually becomes affected and Mulder isn't. Later we find out because Mulder is colorblind and did not feel the subliminal effects of the flashing colors and multifunctioning cable box. Now, over the past couple months, American officials, diplomats uh, in China and other places have been having these situations where they've had severe brain injuries from being exposed to pulsing lights. Hey guys, uh, we're going to uh, stream Derek's call after this Clyde Lewis interviewing Dr. John Hall is over. Just letting you know, okay. Then Derek after Derek, so he will send his callers over here. It's impulsing sound. Uh, when this first <coughs> John Hall in the program, we now have in the program tonight. Uh, Dr. Hall, how bad can this get? How bad can this really get? Well, I mean, it, it's I mean, it's on its way to being really bad. I mean, they're looking at every physical parameter you can look at as far as ways to control the brain, stimulate the brain, or depress the brain, and that's where you're really getting uh, into the optogenetics. 
I mean, it's not just excitatory things. It's, you know, how you can suppress or excite single neurons or a mass of neurons to create uh, an effect in that individual that you want to, you know, create an effect in. And it's, it's already, you know, at the mouse stage. I mean, they've been working on mice for a long time and actually, you know, having genetically altered mice that produce the right proteins and the right cells to practice on. Uh, and it's slowly being kind of released into humans. Now, as far as, you know, is it part, probably some of what they're using at the embassy in Cuba and China? I mean, it could be. Uh, certainly there's electromagnetic weapons at play, uh, which has long been uh, used various frequencies of electromagnetic spectrum to um, hit the brain. But, you know, they could possibly uh, be using light now. I mean, when you look at what's available in the private sector, usually the government is, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ahead of that. So. I'm wondering what would happen if we pulled people's cell phones for a day or they pulled kids away from computers or their video games. I've been noticing some behavior changes uh, whenever um, – well, I've seen some behavior changes in Liam sometimes when he plays Fortnite. I mean, this is a game that everybody's playing right now. And uh, I've never seen so many stories about it. And quite frankly, I wanted to know more about it. So I, I sat down with Liam and played it. It's a fun game. It doesn't entice me as much as some other games would. Like back when I said that when I played Missile Command, the flashing would make me go into a hypnotic state. And I end up spending like 25 or $30 on a video game all day and not even go to the movies. That's what happened. That's when they found out that I had this is because I was actually mesmerized by the lights and wanted to keep playing because it, it just the stimulation was something I couldn't stop. So, um, yeah, that in itself has a certain addictive factor because I remember, even, you know, I had a stepson that even when he was seven years old and this would have been in the, the late eighties that, you know, there was a point where, you know, he would start trying to play a video game in the morning before school and it was a violent outbreak having to pull him away from it, you know, just to get him to go to school. Right. You know, and that's that's what we noticed with early PlayStation stuff that, man, this isn't this isn't playing Pong on the Atari like I did. They go, oh, my God, this is I can't take it anymore. This is boring. You know, the, once they started coming out with the more modern video games, and I'm sure some of it was due with, you know, intention, because you keep a child addicted, then they're, they're going to beg you to buy, you know, each version of the game that comes out and then each version of the console that you have to have. And. And I had noticed at that time, I mean, I've never seen behavior like this in a child just for telling him it's time to go to school and you've got to put the, the console down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen that lately, too. It's like, uh, you know, I haven't, you know, Liam would rather stay home than go out. He'd rather stay home than go out. He, say, he says, I, I want to stay home. Yeah, and we give him the opportunity to play. He doesn't play all the time. I mean, he goes to school and he learns. He goes to school and he's supposed to. He does what he's supposed to. Uh, but, you know, when he's caught his game, you don't bother him. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that sometimes you wish that he'd want to go out with you. But, you know, it's his day, and we give him his day because, he, you know, it's like me. I understand uh, exactly what he feels because when I come home after doing a show, I just want to, you know, lose myself in pablum. I watch cartoons just to kind of get me to wind down, you know. I watch something that makes me laugh and feel kind of, you know, just kind of giggle, and, and it kind of relaxes me. So I can see the idea of just losing yourself in, in uh, video games. But I just wonder about the stress levels. I wonder about the flashing. I wonder about all that, especially when optogenetics are being uh, discussed. And the issue is what we're talking about tonight, uh, tonight with Dr. John Hall. We're going to get to some of your phone calls tonight. I'm wondering, were you triggered if you, when, you had, when you went and saw the movie Incredibles 2? I was. I've been having migraines and 
difficulty speaking and difficulty uh, with the cloudy brain. I'm actually going to go see my doctor and discuss this with him because uh, this was something that happened to me when I was 17. Uh, but that was when I had a, a head uh, operation to remove a tumor for, near my ear. So, you know, it did knock off my equilibrium a little bit. I managed to, you know, get back on it. But now it seems that whatever happened in this movie... It certainly uh, raised my eyebrows towards optogenetics and had me dig a little bit into some classified information about these weapons that are there to disorient targets and how even adding psychotropics to the mix can create some very, very violent activity. 888-673-3700. That's 888-673-3700. I'm Clyde Lewis. You're listening to Ground Zero, and we'll be back. developed in the 50s, systems that altered behavior by combining two or more systems, uh, olfactory, uh, other ways of, of getting people to do their will. One of the things that I found interesting, uh, Dr. John Hall is my guest tonight, by the way, Dr. John Hall, one of the things I found interesting is that in the subject matter, it said that if a pheromone was induced, they were able to actually bring about an orgasm in someone using lights and whatever. But if a psychotropic drug was used, they could render them to the point of suicide. This is something that, that gets me because every time there's a shooting or something, they always bring up the psychotropic drugs and side effects. What says you about this? That's, that's what I want to know. What do you know about that? Well, and they're, I mean, they're using a combination of things to get that effect. And certainly the, the psychotropic drugs are, are bad enough even on their own. If, I mean, if you notice... Every one of the commercials you see, you know, the, the list of, you know, deleterious side effects is longer than the commercial. Um, and even most psychiatrists will tell you that those drugs are based on the side effect profile, not their efficacy. So that means if you have somebody that comes in and they're depressed or they're, they're bipolar or they're manic, you look at all the different choices of the drugs they have and try to, you know, if they come in and say, well, you know, I'm not sleeping well and I'm, you know, and I'm bipolar. Well, you find the one that the side effect is sleepiness. So that way, maybe it'll help their bipolar, maybe it won't, but it will help them get to sleep. So, I mean, there, there are more ghosts according to their, their known side effects than they are their efficacy, because their efficacy is not all that great. That's interesting, because I was, I was actually, I had a knee problem. I went to the doctor to have, an, uh, to have my knee looked at. Well, somehow they took a blood sample and they saw my blood sugar was up. So this one woman took me in and she said, I hear you've been having a problem with weight loss. I said, well, actually, I've been, lo I've been losing weight using some nutrients and some things that I, I take from Doc Wallet. And she said, well, I have something that will help you. And uh, I said, what's that? And she says, I have Trulicity. And I said, oh, I've seen that on TV, Trulicity. Yeah, one of the side effects is, uh, I guess, you lose some weight. And she says, yeah. She says, I can prescribe that to you, but I have to say that you, you're diabetic in order to prescribe it to you so you don't have to pay a lot for it. And I figured, oh, so you're going to prescribe me this because it wasn't insulin. But she says, I can prescribe you this so that you can lose weight. And I said, oh, so you have to tell everybody that I'm a diabetic just so you can give me Trulicity so I can use it for the benefits of losing weight. 
I can think of better ways to do that. But she, yeah, one of the side effects was losing weight. So she diagnosed, or she said, the diagnosis that since I was knocking in the door of diabetes, that I could take this and it would help me lose weight because of the side effect. Yeah, and, and if you talk to any psychiatrist, they'll tell you that their choice in actually treating someone with um, psychotropic drugs is almost always based on the side effect profile of that drug, not the efficacy profile of that drug. So, And there will be some that disagree with me, but they'll still know I'm right. But, um, yeah, the, um, the, the amazing thing is that they're coming from every avenue with brain control. And since this brain initiative started, um, back a few years back, it's really kicked into to hyper gear, and there is some very, I mean, from a scientific point of view, a medical point of view, some very interesting stuff coming down the pike, scary stuff coming down the pike. I mean, it's, it can a lot of it be implemented through therapy and by, you know, controlling spectrums of light that, it, that you're not going to be able to see. You know, there are lower red spectrums a lot of times that have been found that can be transmitted through the skull. And it's not something where you're going to go, oh, my God, they're, they're shining that light on me to control me. You're not going to know it's on you. Uh, and the, the incredible thing is some of the proteins and stuff that they've isolated to be able to control the human mind with light uh, and some of the nanotechnology that they're inventing so they don't have to do it biologically. So they can do it. How do they do it? I mean, is it did they use they go right into the DNA structures and do it, or what do they do? Well, that, that's how you used to do it. Um, just a real quick primer for your for your listeners: there are certain proteins that reside on a cell um, membrane that are photoelectric. That means that when light hits them, that they actuate and they can you know take, make a neuron spike or you know send a nerve potential down down a nerve. That's Good example of that is your your eyes. You have rods and cones in your eyes. The rods have a, a protein called rhodopsin, which is a photoelectric protein. And they have isolated a bunch of these proteins from other types of species, bacteria. Right. And, Hold, uh, that thought. Make- Hold that thought. We're out of time. we got to go to the break, and I'll be back. I want to hear more about this. We're going to get to phones, too. Stay tuned. Dr. John Hall with us. Optogenetics. Pay attention. This is new stuff, and you need to learn about it. We'll be back. With Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on FM News 101. Behavior and behavior personality. Here we go! Don't look at the 
spectrum. You were saying, Dr. Hall, that it's easy. It's easier than you think to be manipulated by light, including lights you don't see. You were talking about sensitive areas like the eyes, and you were going to finish your thought. I want to get to calls, but finish your thought on that. Well, I mean, there are, there are certain proteins that they've isolated from other species of bacteria and jellyfish and, and things that are what we call opsins, O-P-S-I-N-S. And an opsin is like rhodopsin, that, that's the chemical in your the rods in your eyes that allow them to convert um, photoactivity to electricity. Um, and what they've done is figure out ways to embed these different opsins from different species into cell membranes. They've been mostly working with mice. Well, when these, these proteins embed themselves in the cell membrane and then you stimulate them with the right wavelength of light, they can either suppress a group of neurons or a single neuron or excite a group of neurons and those they're able to actually control the brain that way and in mice they've actually been able to create false memories um and things like that uh create binge eating you know create um voraciousness you know where, where the mice will all attack each other and they are slowly introducing it into humans you know for alzheimer's disease and parkinson's and you know for people with retinal pigmentosa to try to restructure or regenerate or put new types of proteins in the eyes that will that will respond to light stimulation and uh, what i really wanted to share with you is one of the odd things is one of the ways they've done it in in mice is you you first have to implant these proteins in the cell membrane within the brain and that's usually done by exposing them out either genetically altering it to produce it itself or exposing the test animal to a virus that basically carries that payload to the cell and deposits it. Well, they still had to use a little fiber optic cable that they stuck in the skull to expose those those proteins to the light to activate them. Well, about five years ago, they actually discovered a protein that they call the JAWS protein that actually is so sensitive to low-spectrum red light that it can be inside the skull and be stimulated with light from outside the skull without having to actually breach the skull with a light source and and that i know that's complex but it's a really big deal in in neural science and neural monitoring um, because that means once they figure out a way to get those proteins in you then there'll be absolutely nothing you can do about being stimulated and and you know having their emotions or desires or whatever guided by someone else that's uh, just that's just hard to fathom it it, it seems so i mean it's like science fiction but it certainly is uh, something to think about especially once again the whole plot of The Incredibles 2 movie is a character named Screenslaver that's able to manipulate people with light and keep them transfixed and mesmerized in a hypnotic state. Let's go to the phones. Go to Marcus in Louisiana. Hi, Marcus. You're on with Dr. John Hall. Go ahead. Hi. So I have some comments that I had earlier, but now I also have some questions for the doctor, too. But um, let me get to the comments first. Um, 
I actually have um, epilepsy, and specifically um, temporal lobe epilepsy in the right hemisphere. And it's true, um, these lights actually can cause very easily, and even not just in myself, but in people I've, know, I've known, similar things to what I've experienced. Um, and it's not just um, lights, too. It can be sounds as well that are a very, very big trigger for me. Um, it's all sorts of things, and it's not necessarily just a convulsion that it can cause. It can easily cause a um, trance-like state. They're um, called complex partial seizures, or I think now they're called focal awareness seizures. But um, now I'm curious to, Doctor, if you can tell me anything about how these would relate to the monomenergic systems, I would be very curious if you know any publication titles. I would love to hear it. Yeah, that's I'm going to be probably, since this is such a complex issue, I'm probably going to be putting some of that on my Facebook, you know, tomorrow, which is uh, actually guinea pig technologies control. If you go into that Facebook page, I'm going to be putting some stuff on there for you because I know we're, we're about to run out of time. And, uh, and there's some really complex things to explain on a radio show that are coming down the pike on that. So. Yeah, uh, so where does he where does he have to go? Name the name the place he has to go again, Marcus. Listen, guinea pigs technologies technologies of control. That's the name of my book, but it's also the name of my Facebook page. Got that, Marcus? Thank you. All right, good. I'm glad you got it. Thank you. I hope that helps you. Let's go to Jonathan in Florida. Hi, Jonathan. You're on Ground Zero. Go ahead. You're on with Dr. John Hall. Uh, thanks, Clyde. It's always such a, a great honor and privilege to be on your show, and, and I'm so glad that Dr. Hall is on your show because, uh, Dr. Hall, you're the perfect person to, to ask this. Um, about five years ago, I started experimenting with uh, brainwave entrainment technologies, and um, the, the companies that you that you usually purchase these technologies from, they, they always have a series of warnings. It's like, uh, if you've ever had a seizure, do not use this product. If you product and um, and you experience flashes of light, or if you uh, you know get nauseous, you know return the product. Um, now, of course, you know, the companies that I deal with are, are using these products to aid in, uh, in meditation. I mean, that's, that's what the products are used for. Um, and uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, with how, with how mm -hmm. the technology works. Um, and me being a musician, I've actually tried to duplicate the same, you know, frequency modulation in my, in my studio and trying to do it myself. But from a nefarious standpoint, um, as a matter of fact, I have a friend of mine who is, she's clinically diagnosed with, um, oh, oh, what's it called, a synesthesia. And um, her, her particular uh, type of that is, is she, uh, she, she will taste music. She, she, it, it produces a taste in her. Uh, like if you play a diminished chord, for example, she salivates like she's just bitten into a, into a lemon. If you play a major chord, it tastes like sweet and sour sauce and that kind of thing. And I let her try to use some of my entrainment recordings and she immediately had an adverse reaction. She got nauseous and uh, uh, it, it just really affected her <coughs> immediately. Um, are there pe people that you know of or organizations that you know of that are experimenting with, with this type of brainwave entrainment technology from a audio standpoint, the pulsings of audio frequencies in a nefarious 
and you know, for nefarious purposes. Uh, Clyde, do you want me to take that? Or yeah, you go like ahead. You go ahead and take that. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's experimenting with that for nefarious purposes. Every branch of the DOD, the CIA, and the NSA. Um, yeah, they've been been working with Schumann residents and binaural B residents. As a matter of fact, and some of the people that I've worked with that were victims of MK Ultra research um, that had, you know, particular types of brain programming, what we found out is the best way to resynchronize their EEG and kind of stamp them back at least as close to normal as we could was was to use binaural beat programs with them because they were their two hemispheres of their brain were in disharmony. And instead of basically creating one EEG, you had, you know, two different waveforms being generated from two different hemispheres and spitting out an interference frequency from the brain. And once you resynchronize those two hemispheres, then a lot of their symptoms went away. But yeah, that that was, you know, one of the sole goals of a lot of the research early on and, and still is, frankly. Does that answer your question? Well, and, my, and, and my other question sure. is, is that, you know, using this type of technology to, uh, you know, help yourself go into a, into more of a beta state. I mean, I, you know, when I use the technology successfully, I do, you know, sleep better. I, I, uh, uh, I, I can put myself into more of a meditative state. You know, they, they always say that, you know, Einstein, when he was doing thought experiments, he was putting himself in, in, in uh, more of an alpha state. And so was people like, you know, Thomas Edison and so forth. Right. So me using this technology, I mean, it's not affecting me adversely at all. I have no, I, I seem to have a very high tolerance to things like flashes of light and that kind of thing. None of that stuff bothers me. Um, so I, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming I'm not putting myself in any kind of danger just using this type of technology in this uh, very subtle way. No, you're mind controlling yourself, which is perfectly legal. As yeah. long as someone else right. is doing it, that's you know that's what you don't want. That's no different than I guess inhaling weed or anything like that it doesn't bother anyone, and if it bothers you, it doesn't bother anybody. Let's go to Nathan in Arkansas. You're on Ground Zero. Hey, Clyde. Hi, go ahead. Um, I hate to admit this. Yeah, go ahead. I hate to admit this, but I have a video game addiction, and it's it's pretty crippling. I mean, all the symptoms you mentioned earlier are pretty much dead on. I mean, you have almost 100% focus on the game. Nothing around you really matters. And me personally, like, it affects me so deeply that, I mean, like, if I lose a game or something, I'll, I'll smash my face with the controller. I'll start throwing stuff. Do you eat? Stuff. Do you eat? Uh, I'll, no, I mean, I'll sit for long periods of time and just, that's all I do. I mean, it's, it's something you can't get away from. Like, my daughter and feel great the whole time I'm out there. And then the, the first thing I want to do when I get back in is turn the game on. So, you know, that's you know, Nathan, that's, hold that thought a minute. You know, that's the thing about being addicted to this. You can't get away from technology. That's the thing is if you're an alcoholic, you can stop drinking. If you're a drug addict, you can stop your drugs. But Nathan can't stop technology, and neither can I. What's he supposed to do, doctor? Well, there's there's nothing to do, and that's only going to get worse. I mean, you think it's bad now, man. It's like taking a, you know, a, a smartphone away from a teenager. I mean, it's I mean, it's aggressive behavior to the point of sometimes. I mean, there are people calling the police on their kids when they have to take their cell phones. 
you know, or they'll go straight to school and use someone else's cell phone to get on the web or to check their Facebook. I mean, I'll admit, even myself, I mean, I, I resisted Facebook for a long time. But, you know, to, you know, especially with me, if you're an activist on something or an author or a radio show host, you, you've got to have a social media program. And, I mean, I've even found myself getting, you know, you know, feeling the need to constantly check my Facebook to see what's updated or if there's anything I'm missing out on. Uh, and, and, it's, and it can affect any of us. You know, there's no one immune from it. And now, pretty soon, in the next two or three years, we're going to be inundated by 5G, where it's going to be bombarded right at you to potentiate those addictions. Possibly straight into your your brain. How does Nathan get help, doctor? Do you have any idea? Well, I mean, that's uh, you really, I mean, as, you know, I don't place a lot of faith in psychiatric medicine, but there are times when you do need it, and it's an obsessive-compulsive disorder. And it can be an addiction like anything else, like, you know, sex or gambling or drugs or, um, and that's the only way to, you know, to do it is to get help and to, to actually put it down. It's kind of like you can't, you know, be a reformed alcoholic or an alcoholic in recovery. And typically, I mean, there are some exceptions, but typically you can't, you know, work at a bar, you know, and be around alcohol. It's, you know, it's like it's putting yourself in too much, you know, way in too much temptation. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, usually cold turkey is the best way, or you know, you know, get yourself a good, you know, a job, or you're away from electronics all the time. Yeah, well, I used to have a default of going to the computer every weekend and just hanging on the computer. And Nathan, it's not good for your health. I would say try to find a way to pull away from the computer at least on the weekends to see if you can find yourself in other situations. Like you say, walking with your daughter, walking the dog, going to parks. Uh, going to movies, go, go do something, keep you away from the computer and, and get to a point where you're uh, managing yourself away from it. It's, it's just something that I had to do because I was defaulting on the computer every weekend and not talking to my wife or Liam. And, and it's because yeah, I figured, well, I not nothing better to do. I'll just get on the Internet. And that's not always good either. Dr. John Hall with us tonight on Ground Zero. Optogenetics, something you need to learn about because it could be the thing that will addict you or even make you sick. 888-673-3700. We'll be back. So you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. More with Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on FM News 101. Dr. John Hall is with us tonight on Ground Zero. So what does the future hold for optogenetics? What are they planning on doing? What's the, what's the end game, if you will? Well, the end game is actually going to be uh, creating nanotechnology that is similar to the organic, you know, biologic proteins that have been discovered in other species that will convert, basically convert uh, light to electricity. That's that's the whole goal of opsins or these proteins. That's what they do. And specifically neurologically, because that allows you to target specific areas, specific areas of the brain with light that will penetrate the skull from the outside 
and activate certain parts of the brain to either cause depression or anger or, you know, create false memories or, you know, things like that, which may or may not be already being done. And one of the scary things is it's, it's really accelerated in its production. You know, it, five or 10 years ago, we were discovering the different proteins from different species that would convert light to electricity that you could put in bed into a nerve cell and then stimulate it with light from out from inside the skull. Well, then, you know, came along, well, now we've discovered a protein that can be stimulated with light from outside the skull. Um, and now they've actually discovered uh, graphene um, G-bioelectric interfaces, which are actually about a couple of microns big. They're, they're nanotechnological, and it's a chemical structure that's a little lattice that's called graphene that will actually convert light to electricity and something that's inanimate that's nanotechnology that kind of has the same workings and function of these biologic proteins so now you don't have to do any gene splicing or do any you know figure out a viral vector way to get a protein into a human cell you know you can slap in one of these you know nanotechnological bioelectric graphene platforms and then stimulate it with light, then it'll produce electricity, and then it will actuate the neurons that you've placed it near in the brain to actually give you the activity that you're trying to get. So we can give somebody like encephalitis by just flashing light towards the brain or flashing light into the eyes. Yeah, or, or you know, if you're stimulating the part of the brain that uh, controls activity, make them do something, make them, make them angry, make them depressed, make them sleepy. It's just terrifying that... Uh, something like this can be done. I mean, hell, a movie triggered me. I can imagine what it would do if it was more advanced. Dr. John Hall, once again, his books are A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control is also the Facebook page. Go there. I'm sure there's a lot of important information about what we're talking about that Dr. Hall will be able to post. Thank you again for being on this program and uh, in opening people's minds up to the new technologies and what's going on. Always a pleasure, Clyde. You know that. Thank you, buddy. You take care. Dr. John Hall, it's amazing what he had to say tonight. Pay attention. There's more to come. I'm going to dig into some of those declassified documents and exactly what went on in the Soviet Union in the 1950s and what was finally revealed in the 1970s and what may be in use today that can most certainly ruin a lot of what you think you're thinking. We'll be back. Don't go away. So this is where the first guy got AIDS. Peter, this is the site of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Oh, so Saddam Hussein did this? No. The Iraqi army? No. Some guys from Iraq? No. That one lady who visited Iraq that one time? No, Peter, Iraq had nothing to do with this. It was a bunch of Saudi Arabians, Lebanese, and Egyptians financed by a Saudi... Oh, in this millennium, this new millennium we're in. The Times and the, prog the progress has ceased to progress okay and the course we're taking is now more self-evident that is the majority of americans are remaining ignorant many are on their knees some are even rolling over and playing dead because they've been programmed to go with the flow and to be mindful of the power wielded over them by the elite and whatever is not programmed to them from the media from either fox news or CNN, if it isn't given to them, and if they're not parroting it from other talk shows that seem to push agendas, 
then they can't function in, in, in no way. We know and we're realizing that common sense is now dying because of political programming and identity politics. We know that the Leviathan government has taken us and, and has turned us into a mentally controlled herd. And any time someone says, hey, the bellwether is taking us in the wrong direction, someone cries out, there's a traitor among us. There's a shill among us. New world order, blah, 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 blah. You know, look, a messenger is not a traitor. A storm crow is not a traitor. A person who wants to protect life and the sanctity of life is not a traitor. A person who believes in humanity is a person you want to have on your side. One who fights for what is important and one who gives the information and doesn't have it misinterpreted. And obviously, I'm failing in a lot of ways as a communicator. I'm not breaking through. I wish I was. I wish I was breaking through to some of the people who are just so caught up in their politics they can't even think. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I understand why. Because of all of the things I'm hearing about tonight, optogenetics, mind control, it doesn't take much. Just a few flickers on the computer screen, a few flickers in Facebook, a few flickers on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox, and immediately people are convinced. I mean, it's a unique time for all of us because there's a majority of America who doesn't think beyond their politics. They don't think beyond their religious bias. Many Americans have been so- Welcome. This service is provided by freeconferencecall.com. The recording has started. Q&A session has started. You're in and you're out for 15, 20 years. Right. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing about that. Hi, Melinda. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just uh, eating a sandwich and, and making a blended drink. Um, okay. They're producing coconut water. It's a hydrating drink. Anyway, um, oh, okay. yeah, um, I've been stumbling upon a lot of abandoned mansions. Now, Mansion probably wouldn't be the best idea, but there's so much abandoned property on good acreage. And when it comes up for sale, I mean, the prices are ridiculous. There's one house that everybody could move into now. It was a man's dream house. It's uh, 9,000 square feet. It's going on the market for 365000 furnished. I mean... I don't know. Now, you're talking land. I mean, in other words, you're talking about roughing it for the rest of your life, almost. In other words, as far as you can see. And uh, I don't know. I uh, attended throughout Europe three months, and boy, I had had it. I want a warm mm-hmm. shower, you know, a nice warm oh, bed. Well, it may, may not be forever, but, you know, something. Yeah, I, yeah I know, I know, but... There are abandoned schools. In other words, they have all the improvements. And you want something that has improvements. You don't want to be lugging water from the well two miles away uh, to mm-hmm. irrigate your land. Um, to consider, but there's some magic properties out there. And when I see them, I don't know why they haven't sold. But then again, I'm not in the area and whatever. 
But it's something if you're playing around during the afternoon going on YouTube. Abandoned farmhouses, abandoned schools. You can mm-hmm. say mansions, but they're going to be big. And one castle is huge. I mean, you know, so say abandoned um, big house. Don't say mansion. But there's, there's mm-hmm. so much of it. And I don't know. It just seems that you're going to want improvements. That's my feeling. Okay. Well, that there are the have those skills. So that is certainly... You could and then, that. you know... People like Neil and, and Nick and all the, the He-Men and our group's number, we can nail it in. No. At least. So, um, okay, great. Uh, thanks for uh, your comments, uh, Melinda. And we certainly keep those in mind. Uh, Nick, did you want to comment on this? Or? Yeah, I said, uh, you know, uh, a comment regarding the, um, this is something, <laughs> you can find this funny, I was working on before, Project that I was brought into. Um, it was to containers for use in what at least the application they wanted me to work on was for um, drag and drop, you know, studios like recording facilities and, and things like that. But I took and expanded the idea to. Uh, include uh, FEMA, emergency relief housing, um, you know, uh, drag and drop triage for, uh, you know, remote medical
Hey, guys, hold on just a second. This piece of shit computer of mine is froze up again. I'm trying to wait for it to get unfreeze. Hey, you guys go ahead and start a conversation if you want to. I had to restart this damn piece of shit. You guys there? I'm here. Hey. Yeah, I'm aggravated with this damn computer. Oh, I, was up, I, I was looking well, at my heart. They always have the option to go to Derek's call. It's not like they can't go and, and listen to the important information about the land and the investors they're trying to find. I thought they had land. I thought that they they were looking for more investors. Well, before you look and seek investors, you need to have land. And I tell you what, I'm not moving to California, so that ain't happening. I would like to have a place out there, like a summer house, and I would love to see it go to L.A., just to experience it. L.A. is fine. It's dirty. Have you been there? Yeah. It's changed a lot, you know. It's got a lot of homeless. Mm. But... But well, who in the hell can beautiful. afford to live in L.A. anyway? Nobody can. You can't. Yeah. Unless you're a star you or something. I mean, besides, there's so many brush fires and mudslides that I just don't. I would rather. I would rather live in Oregon, or Utah, or Washington State, or <laughs> something like that. You know, I mean, Oregon offers mountains and beach, so you know why not? Uh, Utah well, it's is to beautiful. The, it's to the point now. I mean, it's not even safe to walk on a friggin' beach without stepping on a hypodermic needle some junkies threw down, you yeah, know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. True. But, I mean, I, that's what I thought. I mean, and not only that, I mean, I get it about they're going to do investors, but, who, you know, you would have to, you'd have to form, well, when you go in for the bank loan, everybody's credit's going to have to run clear and clean, or there's going to have to be sort of like a the title, the deed's going to have to go under a certain name, and that would be sticky, sticky wicket because you know, you, you know, you're going to have to make sure that 
whoever, if you had a sort of like, it was sort of like being a, um, when you have, you know, when you live in a, a community that has a, a, what do you call that? Oh my gosh, it just slipped my brain. Oh my goodness. Um, Oh, when you live in a suburb and you have to follow and it's um, a home. Oh, dang it. My friend serves on the board. Um, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Time is getting almost time to get the beer out. It's a party. (laughs) The officer's already gone to get his. Huh? Sasha's already gone to get his. Oh, man. What'd you have good to eat tonight, Chrissy? Um, well, I went to meet my sister. We, I drove, we sort of met Midway. She lives in Houston and I live in Austin, so we met Midway in a small town. So we went to a mom and it's sort of like a local diner in a small town. I mean, I think there's, I think the population, I think there's like 80 people that live in the whole town with that many. So they've got really good food. Yeah. So I went there, you know, and I had, um, I had catfish. Nice. I had me a sub sandwich. It had pepperoni, salami, and ham on it. And I had part of a McDonald's hamburger and some french fries. A partial? What What do you mean, partial? This Have you eaten part of it? Yeah, there's still some of it left. I'm about to go warm it. Warm it. No, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a hamburger. It was a fish sandwich. That was right. Oh. Yeah. Any other guys want to call in here? Our man moderator, Miss Moderator, will just take it away. Huh? I said me and Miss Moderator. You? Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> I would, make. I'd let you moderate. I'd make you moderate. Well, you already are a moderator, but... No, I'm not. Well, your you, call? You're known for that. I'm, you're, you're one of the early... You're pioneers on talk shows. People like I'm you. I'm old. I'm old. No, you're oh, not. I'm old. No, you're not. Oh. You're older than me, but you're not old. I think you're older, <laughs> but not old. Old's like 80, 90 years old. That's old, man. Well, yeah. Mm. Mm. You like to listen to music, Chrissy? Yeah. You don't, you don't like none of my music, though, like real hard rock, do you? No. Do you like soft rock? Well, I I wouldn't know. I mean, I you know my I okay. I like Van Morrison. I like Bishop Briggs. I like Dixie Chicks. I like uh, Stevie Nicks. I like Aerosmith. I like Nightmare on Wax. Um, Gray Boys. I like DJ Gray Boy. I like DJ. Um. I like uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, sort of funkified music. Uh, 
shut your, you know, it goes, shut your mouth. I like the Black Eyed Peas, you know. I like Maroon 5. I like Ed Sheeran. I like, I don't know, I just have a mixture. I'm sort of all over the board. Mm. Shut your mouth and run me like a river, like a river. Love that. God, that's a good song. There's so much soul and beauty in that woman's voice. That's like, oh, God. That's that voice like, like speaking to you from heaven. She's Her a good voice, man. Bishop Briggs, she's hot, too. She, that girl could sing. That's little... what it's called HOA, Homeowners Association. So uh, what they do is they're the ones yeah. that make sure in a planned development um, or data community that it's like the upkeep of all all the common areas in the building. So, you know, you have to follow all these things in order to make it a, a viable, livable community so that we're, you know, you don't have somebody putting up a 15-foot high fence or whatever. But I don't know what their plans are. I mean, to buy land unimproved while you're improving, you know, I mean, I don't know. Some they were. I don't know too many people that that got. They have people that could get it, but I land. You know, I don't no, know. No. It, especially I won't live been. there. I won't go there. If certain people are there because I'm just not. I'm not going to be involved in that style of community because it would be a harsh, hateful community, and I don't want to. I don't want to live in that kind of community. Oh, you, you know? mean Derek's call? Well, there the people that are going to the people that are already working on this investor part of it. Mm. I know who some of them are, and I'm I'm like, oh, hey, no. <laughs> mm. Oh, hell no. Uh-uh. And I'm not going to say anything. It, you know, they wouldn't want me there either, so we're good. Yeah, they would. I believe they would. Well, the ones you, mm. might, the ones you don't like might not, but everybody else would. Well. I'm, I was logged into this chat. I'm... I don't. I'm not interested in hearing about land, so I just figured I'd open this. I figured you guys, you guys are like, you you guys are the ever nighters, like you and Seanster and and uh, John. You guys, they, you guys come in here every night. It's cool. It's like a, it's an ongoing thing here every night. Yeah. Was uh. Four Noble Truth asked, was Ella recently on the Oh, yeah, Four, Four Noble Truth is every night as well. What about her, though? Was Ella on the Alex Jones show? Ella was on the Alex Jones show? That's what Four Noble Truth is asking. No, Ella was going to have an InfoWars employee come in and speak to us. I will, um, and I'm going to talk to him as well. Okay, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 yeah, because well, you fell asleep and the call mm-hmm. ended. Oh yeah, that's um, right. Well, that wasn't this oh, morning. Yeah, was that? that was yes, that was yesterday, right? Yes, that was. 
Oh, Roland Rock Chomster. Oh, my gosh. Hope it's ice cold. You drinking some beer? You boys been drinking? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I like the way Alex moderated. I mean, he was really, um, you know, he's very polite, very calm speaking, very diplomatic, you know. So he wasn't, he, you know, he just said, hey, I, I, we're not going to talk about that here. It doesn't have a place here. So what was what no were reason. they talking about? I don't remember now. I don't remember now. But he goes, you know, there's no reason for anybody to get upset. Um, but that's just what we're just not going to have that. And it was very common. Everybody was like, oh, okay, you know, moved on. So I mean, I wasn't part of the conversation. I was listening. That was my. I was getting zapped really hard. So. Mm. <laughs> I had some dirty thoughts about Miss Bishop there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Alex is on the call. Alex is in the house. Alex, get your ugly ass on here, man. Yeah, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Alex, I I thought you handled your your call very well this morning. I didn't. I was just listening to it. I was getting hit. I haven't been hit like that in a long time, like through physical. And I guess they were really angry that I decided I wanted to be on the call. So yeah, usually they just they just make the call drop all the time on me. Like y'all will be talking and I'll go to say something. And uh, and you'll hear this loud static, and then my line goes dead. And I'm like, what? You know, and then I'll call back in, mm-hmm. and just as I'm getting ready to say something, they drop my call again. I go like, whatever, I just won't say anything, you know, for a while. Yeah, well, you know, Monday Monday we'll have a, another type of call, and we'll see how it goes. And it's okay. going di- to be different. You, you, you could see my face. You could see Ryan's face, maybe, and it's gonna have a more human perspective to it. You know, just not just strangers on the call. We can see each other, and I'm not ashamed of it personally, but maybe some are. But we'll see how it goes, okay? On Monday. Now, Alex, will I need to open this on my end and host it on my end? Well, Ryan, I'll I'll make the the account and I'll give you moderator or something, and we could slowly switch over there, and uh, see how it goes, you know. Okay. Hey, Ryan, Ryan. Ryan, you, you you don't mind moderating with Carl, right? Because moderating you want to bring with, him too. With, with Kyle. Kyle. No, I mean, yeah. how are we going to do this, though? Well, I'll think about it, uh, and we'll see on Monday. Okay. Okay. Cool, man. You ever heard that song, Alex? Uh, it's like, it's a Bishop Briggs song, Run Me Like a River. No. Damn, he's talking about a sexy woman, boy. Mm-hmm. That voice, wow. Just grabs you. So much soul in that voice. 
Oh, man, somebody cut my hair, cut my sideburns off sleeve. I'd get up and, and get all ninja and beat the right. hell out of them. Somebody cut right. my hair When you tested that free conference call, what what was the calling number like? Like, it was it like talk show? Yeah, the they, they give you a different number. Each You know, each call that's open, they give you a different number. And with the code? But- but it uh, it cost me. I can't call in on uh, the for free call conference. I have to go in to use the internet because it, they'll start. They charge my provider. They charge me per minute. And I, sorry, I'm not paying for a phone call. I'm just not. But, but it says it's got a toll free number. Let me check it again. Well. I'm agreeable to anything. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the, you know, difficult when it comes to platform call platforms. As long as it's, you know, easy and accessible, and people don't have problems with it, that's all I, I mean, say. I, I mean, Ryan tested it. You know, I was on him. I, I showed him my webcam and everything, and it, it looked, it looked nice. You know, but I don't know about the calling numbers. I have to watch it again. If it's it's if it's a toll free number, so it says toll free and premium international dialing. Five hundred premium minutes. So, so you should be able to call in there too. Should be able to. Well, I have so. Myself. I mean, because, if I get uh, if I get attacked again like I did last night, you know, I'm I'm gonna try yeah, and figure I, I, out why they did that because it's been years because since they, they want to be assholes, Christy. That's why it's the same asshole that comes in here every night. And if he's not saying something about somebody being a drunk, then he's been a smart ass calling people drunks and and, oh, and no, calling no, I'm some of the got... older women grannies and all that stuff. How disrespectful, man. Oh, I got physically attacked. You know what? This is what I'm going to say about if somebody calls someone a granny. Get a grip. You do not have the key or the map or the or the withdrawal to be immortal. So you are not going to be the age that you are on the day of the call when you say that. You will age. You will. Your numbers will change. Your hair will change colors. You will develop wrinkles. Maybe. Maybe not. But you will be older one day. Yeah, so I mean, you, you, you know, I talked to Don yesterday all night, and he's 70. I mean, and I'm 29. And we have, I listened to him all night, and we didn't have any problems, you know? You're, wait, so, he's 70, and you're how old? 29. You're 29? Yeah. Oh, you're young. I'm yeah. 35. Yeah. I'm 65, and I'm very proud of my age. I'm glad that I've lived this long. I've been a yeah, target but, since I was Brian's age. Yeah, but Chrissy, you're hot if you're age. You don't look yeah. like 65. I've been, hot, I have been a target since Ryan's age. I won't say. 35, and I have survived <laughs> it, and I have made it happen, and I am not gone yet. And so I'm very proud of myself. I'm proud of how I look? Am I drop dead gorgeous? No, I don't care. I'm not, yeah, I don't have to are. impress people. I don't have to impress people. I don't care about impressing people. Chris, I've never sound, lived my life that way. 
Chrissy, your yeah. voice, you sound like you're about 30 or 40, or 40 at the most. Cause yeah. you got no. a, a, a no. clear voice. you got a clear voice. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm 65, you know. But I live, yeah. I don't ever think about my age. You know, the only time I think about my age is dressing appropriate. And I know that may sound crazy, but... You know, I mean, I'm not going to wear some something that, you know, I mean, I, I love fashion, but I dress fashionable, you know, and I don't, I mean, I don't have a lot of money, but I like them clean and neat and, you know, I shop Salvation Army, you know, my sister just goes like, I don't know how you do that, because, <laughs> well, but my sister's very wealthy, so I don't really care, that's her life, you know, she's a good-hearted person. Um, I bet she's beautiful too, isn't she? Uh, well... Yeah, Send me a picture is. of her, Christy. What, what's her Facebook? I want to see what she, how old is she? Oh, uh, no, I'd have to have permission from her, Ryan. She wouldn't like that. She doesn't oh, okay. She doesn't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, she's very private. Mm-hmm. Um, but she takes care of herself, you know. I mean, we always have, you know. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean she, she probably there don't are people stuff, my you know? age that, that look a lot <laughs> better than I do. Maybe it's genetics. I don't know. I just figure... Hey, I'm lucky, and I feel I feel blessed that I am able to be on this call. I keep on saying that, and that I can get up and get dressed and brush my teeth, and you know. Yeah. I don't know. What can I say? I don't know. But <laughs> I was going to say something funny about your sister. Uh, yeah. she's just really private and you know, and I and I respect that. I mean she's she's somewhat protective of me, you know, like she talks like what I'm really shocked because she's a very reserved woman. She's very reserved. Where I'm very gregarious and I'm a I'm the I'm the wild child, you know, I'm the gypsy traveler. I mean I've always been out there, been a maverick, you know done all this stuff and and she's always been the reserved and did the right thing and had their job for 35 years or 40 years i didn't so she planned well for her retirement i'm very happy for her i'm proud of her and her her husband um but you know the it's sort of funny because when i'm go places because she's um she's artistic as well she does this thing it doesn't really matter what she does but she holds these retreats so Whenever I go there, they're like, oh, so you're Chrissy. Gosh, I've heard so much about you. You know, you, oh, you're just as lovely as she says. You're just so fun, you know. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, my sister talked about me? I mean, that's just totally out of her character. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So I'm like, huh. So it's hey, so Ryan. funny. Ryan, did you yeah, – What I, I kind of miss what you said about – Marcus, what his neighbor do to him? Like, what he, his neighbor accused him of yelling crazy stuff. What, what the heck happened? Is he okay? <laughs> I talked to Marcus earlier, and he's actually he said things are going good for the boy right now. And I'm glad he said this earlier that he is getting evicted from his home. Mom could throw him out, but he's found him a good job, and it pays fifteen dollars an hour. So I'm glad right. for the boy. Does he have another place to live? He's gonna have to. He said he's gonna be sleeping in his car for about a week, and then we found him a, a good job. It's good for him. Why did he get kicked out? I don't know. Something probably a damn girl. Yeah, it's the girl, his ex-girlfriend or whatever. Oh, that Marcus. I thought I thought he was living with his mother. That's what he said uh, on the call one night. 
He was. Oh, no, Patrick. I meant Patrick. You were saying something about Patrick earlier. I missed it, though. His, it's Patrick. <laughs> oh, yeah, Patrick was... He said that his perp neighbor came out. He said that he accused Patrick of running out of his house screaming at a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> oh, man. So his neighbor just made that shit up. Yeah. And told him, the cops? Told the cops that? Yeah. Oh, man. That's... Yeah. Oh, God. Wow. You know, I always say, by the grace of God, there goes I, because, I, you know, I'm living on my own. It's not easy um, financially, and there's times I go, like, am I going to make this month's rent, you know? And then I sit there and I go, like, you know what? That's okay. If I had to sell every single thing in my apartment, I'd do it. And with the exception of my jewelry. And then if I had to live in my car until I could get back on my feet again or hang out with friends, I'd do it, you know, because it is what it is, you know. But at the same time, you know, I never, ever think I could not be homeless. I never, ever, ever take it for granted, ever, you know, because yeah. life happens. Life happens, and it happens in a heartbeat and fast and hard. You know, I'm on my P's and Q's. When I, you know, when I live by myself in apartment homes, I don't, you know, I'm, I watch who lives around me. I watch the interactions. I watch, like, certain things, like if I, you know, notice certain things. Because I set up little booby traps around in my apartment home. So I know that if anybody ever came in here, if something was disturbed, I'd know it. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's. It's worked well for me so far. It's worked well for me so far, but you know, I'm I, I don't know. I I'm still cautious, you know. Um <clears throat> very cautious. Uh, well. I'm having me a good hot dog. It's a plain hot dog with some onions on it. I thought you it. said you were going to have the rest of your McDonald's. You're confusing me. I decided me. not to. You're confusing me. I can't be confused like that. Yeah. I love hot dogs with all the crap on it. I like chili, cheese, onion, mustard dogs with Me all too, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 I did a heartburn. Nice. I did a heartburn thing. Yeah. A, when we went out to eat today, um, there was a table over by us. Where we went is this, it's really like this old-fashioned diner, okay? So everything's made from scratch. Nothing is packaged. Like, they get all of their vegetables from the farmer's market, all the farmers around there. Um, they bring in fresh catfish. They make their every, you know, like meatloaf from scratch. They um, have um, cattle, you know, a cattle uh, ranch. You know, they bring their fresh meat to them. So, I mean, it's really real, and they're, they're known for their pies and cakes. They have cakes that are five layers, and they are just Unbelievable. I don't eat them, but they're just gorgeous, right? But their onion rings, they make, and they do them light with um, the cornmeal and a little bit of flour so it'll so the batter is more crunchy and not heavy breaded. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, yeah. when you bite into an onion ring, you're going like, oh, my gosh, where's the onion? <laughs> and so... They have this, they have this platter they bring out and you're and it's the small one, okay? And on the small one there's something like sixteen to eighteen onion rings. And they're huge. 
They're not small. They're huge. They're bigger than the palm of my hand. <laughs> and I'm going like, good grief, what with the – we didn't get any, but I looked at my sister because we both love anyway, and I said, if that's a small platter, what does the large platter have on it? And she goes, I can't imagine. And I went, good grief. I mean, and their, and their food is not even – okay, so, like, you can go in – and when you get, like, for example, a chicken fried steak, the, it's half the size of the plate. And then you get these fresh vegetables, and then you get rolls on top of it if you want. And and it's only $9. Oh, I mean, good. I know. Oh. And I sat there, and I told my sister, I said, their food is so good. And I know the reason why they're able to keep their food costs down is because they're so popular. I mean, people go in there. So they make their money, and because it's all fresh ingredients, they only use, they only purchase what they're going to use that day. So if the special is meatloaf, then then they make it till they run out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You see what I'm coming? They, they have save, staples. Maybe right, they, they save have on like shipping. Maybe they save right. on shipping since it's and they local, save on shipping. So exactly. So I mean, they've got their staples like salads. Um, and I think they serve steaks there, and um, I don't know oh, burgers. Oh, you're, you're, you're making me so hungry right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Alex. I'm sorry. You know what? If you were close, I'd cook for you. I, I love to cook. I'm a really good oh. cook, but but Those we don't onion rings sound good. I always forget to use I the know, knife when I eat I know, onion rings. Right? Whenever I, I eat just, onion rings, I forget to use the knife, and the onion pulls out all the breading every freaking oh, time. I can't no, remember. Gotta no, use a knife. This, <laughs> These were so well made that when they cut into them, the breading didn't fall off. It stayed adhered to the onion ring, and so that's perfected batter. And then the onion, it was just gorgeous. And I was like, I want that whole platter. And the platter was only like $5. That's a small. So you think about it, that's, the, you know, I was going, good grief almighty. That, I mean, they were huge, huge. And um, so I was just like, you know, I told her, I said, I'm going to, you know, God, I'm going to save up my money and come back <laughs> so I can have <laughs> onion rings here. So They have some but, onion yeah. rings. The place I go to a lot, I don't get them very often, but the sauce they have for them is really good. It's like a kind of a spicy horseradish, but it has an orangey color. It's kind of oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what kind of sauce it. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's creamy. It's, it's not... It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what kind of sauce you're talking about. I love horseradish. I love horseradish. I love There's horseradish. Like, I love wasabi. I mean, oh, my gosh. Oh, I eat spicy everything. I'm, 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 I do. <laughs> well, I do. You know, most... Most wasabi is just horseradish. Japanese yes, it horseradish. is. It's Japanese horseradish. It's horseradish, yeah. But, you know, um, I love jalapenos, too, Sean Sterlite. Oh, yeah. Um, I love to eat a fresh, a really good fresh jalapeno. But if it's pickled, I don't mind. But I don't want it, you know, I want it done just right. I don't want it, like, soaking and all, I mean, a lot. And um, at work, we always, the guys bring... Um, we have a bunch of guys that will bring in food, and they'll bring in those fresh jalapenos and leave them for everybody. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are so good. But, I think the hot um, pepper stuff is good for the heart, right? 
that's one of the main it's benefits. For your, yeah, and your and to clean you out, you know, and it it can it's yeah. antioxidants. Okay. Right. Because I have a lot mean, of hot peppers. Right. And I mean, I like Indian spices, too. I love a really good Indian dish. You know, and I'll make that here. Um, Like, I love to do vegetables, and um, I'll do a rice, or I'll do a rosemary lemon pork, you know, pork loin um, or something. If I, if you know, depending on my budget, but I'm just saying, if I do, then I usually, like, cut it up, but I just love to cook. Boys love to cook. Oh. Yeah, India is pretty interesting. It's a mood food for it me. Is. I really, I really love Thai food from Thailand. I can oh, eat that every oh day. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the chili peppers. Oh my word! The coconut milk. The coconut milk and that curries. Coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I I like uh-huh. Chinese. I like Chinese duck rolls. Have you ever heard those? Chinese what? Duck rolls. Mackerel, duck. like the duck. fish. Na- du- mackerel, duck, duck. Oh, duck! duck. Oh, you duck. like oh, duck? Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, I love duck. Yeah. Oh, he and I not a big duck lover, but oh, I don't know why. Probably because it was not made right. You know what I'm saying? The person who made it. It's like I won't. I won't eat lamb either. Oh no 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 no. One of the best meals I ever ate was at this restaurant called Harvest, where everything was locally sourced, and they had these. Um, It was called a French provincial duck, something, and it was like duck Uh with side side order was like parsnips and Uh, rutabaga and like kind of root vegetables like that, and the duck was cooked perfectly. It was like al dente duck. It was just perfect. Oh, how lovely! Oh, that was great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey Chrissy, Chrissy, yeah. tell me, tell me if you've ever heard this right here. It's your what? woman. I know you like her. Now, but this song is so great, guys. Listen to this. Listen to this damn girl, the soul and the beauty in this girl's voice. Listen to this. From the it comes from the soul. That's what I'm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a beautiful voice, and um, I've listened to a few of her other songs, and I have her on Spotify. And I listened to when I was driving today. I listened to a plethora of music, and she. I had a couple of her tunes on, and I sat there and I thought she didn't even sound the same. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. knew it was her, but I'm just talking about the range of her voice and her talent. 
Exactly. Um, there's a local musician here called Jackie Vinson. She's a blues guitarist. Yeah. Now, that girl can play the guitar, and she can sing. She is like a female B.B. King. She is awesome, Blossom. If y'all ever have a chance to pull her up, Jackie Vinson, she is unbelievable. Um, she's just oh, unbelievable. I'll put an awesome guitar thing of a street performer in the chat here. Let me find uh-huh. him. It might take me a while. His name is Estes Tomes, and he I, he plays. It's I don't even know. It, it's a six string guitar, but he makes it sound like it's two twelve string guitar guitar player oh, playing at wow. once. He's that good. It's called Song of the Golden Dragon, but I'll try to okay. get it and put it in shed. It's awesome. Well, that, okay. that Briggs girl, man, she's like, she's like, she's got the black, she's got the soul of a black, you know, a blues singer. Yeah. Oh, I thought I, she was a black I love, lady. I love bluegrass music. The real good bluegrass. Oh my, like Chris Stapleton, I love his bluegrass band. Because you really get the dynamics of all the different styles of uh, musical instruments, like a dulcimer and a banjo and a mandolin. I mean, and, you know, a fiddle, uh, well, violin slash turned into fiddle. I mean, it is, it's just amazing. Um, So I just, I just like, I mean, I'm always amazed by musicians. I just think they're, they're so, I mean, when you have a gift like that, I just think that's so beautiful. You know, I'm a musician, Chrissy. I can play guitar, yeah. bass, and drums. Uh, yeah. I want to learn how to play mandolin. I really do, but I haven't done that yet. Or banjo. But I just, my father was a singer, and he had his own band, and he played at different venues here in Austin. Um, and I mean, I, I, you know, he recorded when he was younger, um, but I don't have any of those records. So they got sold in the estate sale. My dad and my sister was. My dad, actually, he got to play it in a contest in Nashville in the Grand Ole Opry. Great He was awesome. on that. Yes, so. Yeah, and I was there. I was at the Grand Ole Opry. I fell in this, like, little uh, fountain, water fountain, and I had, a, like, black leather pants and black shirt and shoes on. Yeah. So I can't. Oh, God. Uh, sure, right, I'm about to link that chat right now. Really? So Ryan, you said that Briggs lady, she was she was a white lady. I, didn't, she, yeah. I thought yeah. she sounded like a black she's lady. Quiet, yeah. you know, she's she she's hot too, Shonster. She's got she's got, got really dark hair. Um, um she's just good. Yeah. yeah, it almost sounded kind of gospel in a way too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Boy, yeah. man, it's like God. If that girl sing in front of me, I'd be like I'd be dropping down worshiping at her feet, you know. <laughs> Oh, man. That's a good visual for us to have, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a heavenly voice. Huh? That's, yeah, you most welcome. I'll watch your video, Sean, so let me check it. Oh, it's I'm great. This guy's amazing. Stuff. You won't believe it. I mean, it sounds like four people playing the guitar at one time. It's just one guy. So I'll mm-hmm. tell you somebody who is hands down, in my opinion, the best guitarist in the world, and that's John Five Lowry. The one that played for Manson. He's in oh, rock yeah? now. Yeah, he's man, he is hell on the guitars. He could shred the hell. He could put Andy Van Halen make Eddie Van Halen look like child's play, I believe. Well, really? How do you spell the last name? John Fav Lowry? John Five, like the number five and then L A L O W E R Y. Oh, okay. Yep. Watch him just watch some of his stuff, man. He can play. Did he spell the number five out? 
with the yeah. number five or by letters? Just the like, number. Okay. Okay. Okay, I see uh, Bishop Briggs now. Oh, yeah, she... <laughs> He's awesome. I would have never guessed she looks like that. She is hot. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of underrated guitarists out there that are parts of major bands where people pay all attention to the singer. And, uh... Oh, yeah, you can see it from his his fingertips. He's got all his fingernails. Who, John uh, Bye? Yeah, oh, I think, no, uh... I think Alex is watching the, the link I sent. S oh, is okay. yeah. This guy's yeah. great. Ryan, you'd love him, too, if you're a guitar player. I mean, yeah. yeah. Guy, it's like flamenco style. I like but his own twist on it. That's what I do. I play that really so intricate, but perfectly yeah. balanced. I, I I like the Chinese guy who's playing Pashal Bell. Have you seen it? Uh no. You know, Canon. Let, let me. I'll give you a link. It's pretty old, but I I like it. It's electric guitar this time. Hey, Alex, do you know who Sophia Sushi is? No. <laughs> mm, my friend was telling her about her. She's, she's a Romanian Sean, uh, porn star. I'll, 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 I'll give you... What the fuck? I'll give you the link. What's the link, Sean? Oh, I see it. Okay. Guitar. Sophia Sushi. That, I like that name. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like C-U-C-C. She is beautiful, man. I can't... She's way too beautiful to be a porn star. I mean, there's some hot porn stars, but she... That girl needs to be a model or something. She's beautiful. Hey, Alex, it's called Fun T-W-O. Fun Two Canon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'd like to do a cover of that song and like kind of make it hard, harder. I think that would be neat. I'm I'm making me a, a DVD right now, guys. It's uh, I'm it's like uh, a, a it's a mixed it's a jukebox DVD where it's in, like you can put like hours and hours upon end of music on it compared to just like 18 tracks on it. It's more than that, and it's got like all of the great like movie theme songs and everything on it. It's 80s. Most of it's 80s. It's going to be awesome. We'll finish that up here in a minute. Is that too loud? I'm trying to play uh, and listen to them. Can't even hear it. All right, good. Oh, this guy is good, Alex. Yeah, I like it. Seanster, did you look John 5? <laughs> you had to look him up, man. He oh, let awesome. me type that in before I forget it. John 5 Lowry. Right Lowry, now. yep. He's a blonde-haired dude with the goatee and all that. Hey, Brian, I wanted to ask you the other night. You put a, a link in the chat for, like, a karate movie. That yeah. that Stone, karate, that guy you talk about that does martial arts, uh, was that, was that the, the main character? Like, in that scene, was that the guy that walked in with the black guy, the blonde white guy that walked in with the black guy? Was that John Stone? 
And that is uh, Michael Dudikoff. He's the one that's the American Ninja. Now, Mike Stone played the villain in that movie, but there's a fight. Oh, Mike Stone. That... He's the one with the fucked up eye, right? He had a yeah. messed up Point. eye. Yep. Okay, okay. I remember him. Yeah. Ryan, have you watched If Mine yet? Go uh-huh. download it. Go download What is it called? If Mine. It Mine? No, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it in the chat. Okay. I saw that, Alex. I saw it was on YouTube. It was called a rare original film of IP Man, and yeah. he was uh, he was just practicing yeah. by himself in his house. He's, on some he's one of the he's one of the biggest Chinese kung fu masters of all time. Yeah, and they, I, I they made saw the it. Movie it, it looked really impressive, but it also looked very gentle. Like he didn't seem to be exerting himself too much. He, yeah. He was in his house by himself practicing on some pads. You know, those racks yeah. they put up with the pads on them? Yeah, ju- just like Bruce Lee, right? Oh, man, Bruce Lee was bad, man. Whew. Woo! That guy, man. I don't know. I don't know. I think Mike Stone could take about anybody, man, with all that. He's a, he's a master. He probably could now, but some of these younger guys. But back in the day, boy, he was... Hell, man! Them combos he dishes out and everything. He knocked that guy to the floor. Did you see him? He's like, you really think you're gonna walk into a friggin' bar and put your hands on Mike Stone's tie? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing a suit and a tie in that yeah. that scene you sent. He had a real small part, small part in that. He showed up at the very end of the scene, sort of. Yeah. Did you notice though? <laughs> When the, he walked in, when Mike Stone walked in, and, and the blonde guy, the American Ninja, and the Curtis Armstrong, the black guy, he, Curtis Jackson, the black guy, he, he started uh, to go for him. He's going to get him some. And, <laughs> and the ninja pulled him away. Really, he's like, no, nah, you don't want none of that. That guy's a ninja right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. But hey, what happened was, to Mike Stone's eye? Do you know what happened to his eye? Oh, his eye, that was just for the movie, I believe. It's, it's oh, eye. makeup. It don't look like that. Oh, his makeup, okay. Yeah. That looked pretty real. But didn't it look didn't he look so smooth when he did that roundhouse and knocked it kicked his ass? The tie was yeah. like flying. Well, back. I remember looked, yeah, I remember he looked like he knew what he was doing. It was just so short though, his part in it, so I yeah. Well he's yeah, in the movie a lot. It's not it's not real combat. if you watch I, I told you before, if you watch what the Marines are training in in yeah. Krav Maga, that's the Israeli uh, martial art. There's no mm-hmm. kicks and th- there's just throat punching and eye sucking and stuff like that in real hand-to-hand combat. There's no uh, kung fu involved. Right. Well, Mike Stone was in the Aikido and another ancient form of martial arts. I think it's something like something similar to kung fu. Hi, Hi Ryan. That stuff. You can be direct with us. Hey, Christina. How are you? Hi, hi everybody. Hi. We was getting worried about you, Christina. You doing okay? No, it's Lynette. Oh, Lynette, you sound like the... Oh, My voice the, is scratchy. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling down today, man. It's it's kind of crazy, man. Well, I, I like that beautiful painting that you made. Which one? Which one? Which one? The The last one you posted. I'm high. That's beautiful. I don't even remember what it oh, was. Oh, the naked lady, the naked lady in the forest. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a uh, a custom order. Somebody just told uh, me this is what they want. We want a, I want a naked lady with a white see-through outfit in the forest. Right. 
And I want her to be, like, growing, like she's a tree, and then she's growing into a woman. Like, if you notice her legs. That's exactly what I want. (laughs) That's what you want? You want a woman that's a tree? A naked lady with a see-through white gown in a forest. That'll stop there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should see the one I just did tonight, Ryan. It's a um, it's a painting of Poseidon like thrashing a boat, uh, old uh, shit. Uh, like it's fucking that's tight. That's the one I think I did see it. Yeah, that's the one I like. No, no, I'm working on it right now. It's just a sketch uh, right now. It's a that's big my one. Birth it's like symbol God Poseidon for Pisces, the Roman equivalent. Oh. They make the gods after the zodiac signs. And Roman and versus Greek. And I was totally Poseidon triggered today, man. Poison. Totally triggered all fucking day. Like, anxiety triggered. Yeah. Behind religion. Like, I'm I'm not a believer, dude. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in the church. And then I became a believer and some, like, really supernatural things happened. You know, but I always what struggled su- with... What the- supernatural things? Okay, like... Okay, so, okay. W- when I got baptized, the day I was walking out of the church, my hair was still wet. I get in the car. I'm in the passenger seat. We drive up a few blocks, and we, we hit a right, and he skeets the tires to show off because his homeboys were on the corner. It was my vehicle, a, a Camaro, right? And I'm in the passenger seat. He skeets the tires, and then the police were coming the opposite direction, and they try to blurp him. And he takes the car on a high-speed chase. And I just got baptized. So I'm like, I don't know why my mentality was like to thank God in advance for letting us get away. So anyways, we he did some fucking supernatural shit and got away. And I was like, oh, my God, why the fuck did you run? My car is legal. Like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, oh, I got a pistol with bodies on it. I'm like, what the fuck you mean? Like, and, and then... I'm like, damn, good job getting away, nigga. How how the fuck you learn to drive like that? This is all in my movie, by the way. And um, he's like, man, I've been running from them faggots since I was six years old. And I was like, okay. Can, can I like, say the tour too? I I I always wanted to say that. Can you let me? Let me say it. Nigger. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Good for you. That's not a good word to learn. But anyway, no, no, he, but he says his accent though. He sounds funny when he says it. You can imagine like yeah. somebody from the south saying that. But that's but a horrible word. Lynette, that's a horrible though, word. Those, like, those cops, man. It, that, that's the thing, Lynette. If, if you're found in a car with a person like that with a gun on them, you get they get you with the like they charge you too just because so you're listen. with them. So listen to my fucking testimony, you. weirdo. Uh, so anyways, Lynette, Lynette, yeah. did you watch that Mike Stone video that fighting them ninjas in that arena? The video. Don't make me. Yes, I watched it, but I'm telling you about real ninja shit, and you don't want to hear it. Like, did you call me a weirdo just ninja. a second ago? We, we can have another <laughs> subject. We we talked yesterday about ninjas. Today is something else, right? Yeah. Lynette, hey, did you just man. call me a weirdo? We got to talk about ninjas each night. Hey, ninjas what's, are cool. what's the Indian guy's name? What's your name, sweetheart? He's Romanian. Oh, Indian? Romanian. I'm not, I'm Romanian. You're Romanian. Do I sound, do I sound okay. like an Indian? What, what do you want me to call you? What do you want me to call you? I'm not Alex. Alex. Do, I, do I do a good impression of you, Alex? Let me do it again. Oh, you make me sound horrible. 
I'll make you Aww. sound horrible, but it kind of sounds Russian in a way. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lynette, Lynette, did you just call me a weirdo? And if so, why? I'm just kidding. Don't, don't oh. get offended. Okay. I just no, I'm like, not. I'm just I'm curious. Kidding. I like to know things. <laughs> I like weirdos, so I'm hoping you are a weirdo. Okay, let's get over it. Yeah, I, um, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Lynette, Look, why I would you I'm say that wasn't real, though? That's real. Mike Stone choreographed that. He is a real ninja. No, I didn't say it wasn't real, babe. You misheard me. Uh, I didn't say that. No, that's oh, real yeah. shit. That's real. Hell yeah, that's, real. that's really a fucking powerful dude. Like, But I'm just saying that what you're looking at there is called a demonstration, which is choreographed. Which right, is beautiful. Yeah. It's a dance. It's a perfect it looks dance. beautiful. Then it's so smooth the way they're backflipping. And he walks down and... He hands him that sword, and he takes it, and he's like throwing so, sword. Can dark. I tell you something? They've been perping me by what you've talked about. Guess what? Someone approached me claiming they were working for fucking National Geographic and that they were going to connect me to an uh-huh. executive, executive producer that wants to pay for me to go to um, China and, and shoot some scenes for my film, right? Do and it. so I was like, cool. I was all juiced. So I, I, the, I give the guy my number. I tell him to call me or whatever. So he texts me on some really retarded texts for like two or three days. And then he finally calls me at like six in the morning. And I'm like, okay, let me call him back. And so I call him back and he's like, oh, so what's your budget? I'm like, what do you mean? You're the, you're the one that's supposed to be an executive producer working for NASA. He, didn't he tell you I, I, I don't even have any money? I wrote the script. Do you want, do you want to put money up or not? Like, and then he's like saying, oh, we only finance 60%. What's your budget? I'm like, and then he and then he goes, he starts going, oh come on, and I'm like, I don't have any money. Oh come on, I knew it was a scam. I just hung up. Amen. <sighs> but I believe I was part because we've been talking about kung fu, and that's you know my life dream is to go back there and go back to the sh- temple and shoot my film. <clears throat> I think a you should of, do it, a girl. Film about what? Film about what? It's about me um, and my life as a prostitute and how I ended up in China studying Kung Fu with the Shaolin monks. You're a prostitute? I was a prostitute. A famous one. I'm sorry to ask you that. Uh, I mean, if it's in... I'm not sorry. I had a lot of good sex and I made $2.5 million. I'm not sorry. Wow. Sorry. I'm a fucking sex... I'm a sex dynamo. Like, I'm an Italian. Like, everyone wanted to have sex with me. Like, that's just the way it was. Like, that was my life. I walk in a room and everyone would be staring at me. They all wanted to have sex with me, male and female. That was my curse. Whatever. I've accepted it. You know, but now, you know, I'm 51. uh, He's got the dog. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I'm on the radio show with my friends. Lynette yeah. was turning on the dogs, too. Yeah. <laughs> Whose dogs was yeah, that? Yeah, I got a pit bull and two chihuahuas. Ah, uh, I wonder that pit bull don't tear them chihuahuas up, though. No, the no, chihuahuas be the other way know. around. Chihuahuas, you can, chihuahuas are hey, more you know aggressive. They can be more aggressive. Hey, yeah. you know the story behind chihuahuas, what they used, were bred for? They you're, used to, you're like, herd bulls. They heard bulls. Wow. Chihuahuas? 
Chihuahuas. <laughs> I'd be terrified of them because they're so they can't see them, you know, and they'd be biting their feet and <laughs> and uh, yeah. And they, you know, and they get stepped on that's and funny. die. That, that's why they got them little little body, big personality. They were they come from a long line of bull um, riders. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, before I got distracted, where was I at, you guys? Oh, oh come on, know about your life in the movie, the book, and or the movie, yeah, yeah, the movie, yeah. the movie. Yeah, so yeah, it's about my life as a prostitute. Are you gonna have any interesting scenes in it or anything there, like there, martial arts? Hell yeah! I'll, I'll tell you one of the stories. Like when I was in China, my master made us stand in the ma booth for four hours. In the hot ass sun, right? Wow. And it looks like easily ninety nine degrees, like easily, right? And we're standing out there, and he comes. He you're, you're finally not, wait, after. Huh? Net, you, you could buy a camera, like an HD camera, and you, you could uh, get someone to help you film it. Yep. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Well, to I need that because I have to play me, or I have to get a hot chick to play me, like twenty years ago. I just have to play me. And just be me in the movie. Hey, can I, I really want, you know what I really want to play me, you guys? Is Myla Kunis or Uma Thurman. That would be cool. Well, can I, can I like, dress up in a ninja outfit and, like, do some moves? <laughs> no, I want you to dress up in a ninja um, outfit and just masturbate for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Hey, this, this one millionaire used to pay me a hell of money, right, to come to his house and sit there butt naked with just a tie and some high heels on and sit there and and sit there and smoke cigarettes, um, blunts, right? And sit there and tell him how I love to just, like, I didn't even have kids. It was all acting. And just tell him, like, how I just love, like, blowing smoke in kids' face until they choke to death, right? And the kid, the, the guy fuck? was a fucking child psychologist, you guys. Like, oh, did you really man. bring oh, your what? fucking kid to this schmuck? <laughs> Ooh. Would you really bring your fucking kid to this schmuck? Oh, God damn. He, he, people don't know he's like that, for real. I mean, he hi, keeps that under wraps, or people and, would and never take And that's all he would kid. do is just get off on me telling him how I would, I just get off on choking the fuck out of my kids by... And I didn't even have kids. I was just... It was all fake. Everything I was saying was fake. There's some and crazy ass shit up there. My, my psychologist, his brother... I lost my license for a little while, and his brother, was when he was alive, was a cab driver, so I... <laughs> I knew him, so I called his brother for the cab rides, and uh, he would tell me about all the fares he would get, like all the the customers he'd get. And he said he'd get this one lady all the time that needed cab rides, who would want to go to the liquor store, and she would buy a giant glass bottle of vodka, whatever the giant glass one is, almost a gallon. And she always had like lacerations all over her, and she told him that. She was going there to buy it so she could give it to her husband, who would then smash it over her head. And it was voluntary. It was voluntary in her part. She would go buy and pay for the vodka bottle and then take it back so he could do that to her. And one day the cab driver showed up and she didn't didn't come out because she was dead because he killed her. Whoa. I don't think – it's hard to believe that shit was voluntary, though. Well, like, yeah, I mean, she I mean, would be by herself. Huh? She'd be by herself in the cab, and she'd go with the cab driver and go pay for it herself, the vodka, and come back well, in that, the cab. You know what that sounds like to me, you guys? Like, that sounds like Stockholm Syndrome to me. Yeah. Something like it. It was fucking I mean, it's crazy. more like Sadomasochism. Yeah. 
I mean, I've yeah. He had some kind of spell on her, so to speak. It's it called Stockholm bad. syndrome. Yeah, not I'm yeah. Learning all about it. Yeah. I mean, I was going through that same thing. I, even after my perp, even after my perp um, set me up, these two guys came in with guns and busted my face open and shit. And and this guy calls, and even though he they snatched my phone and was talking to him on the phone, and he was telling him where to find shit in my house and everything, and I couldn't believe that the uh, guy that I love would fucking be doing this to me. And then he he called me up a while later and acted like he was not involved, and it made me question my own fucking reality to the point of my desire to be with him overrode my fucking rationality, dude. Like, this shit is, it, it, it makes you angry. It makes you hate yourself that you could be in love with someone that would do something like that to you. Yeah, I've had, uh, yeah. I had a girlfriend that I was still in love with after she treated me horrible. Yeah, I get attached. I'm not, I'm not the type of woman that will get abused, I'm telling you. Like, that's why I started studying Kung Fu. And I and when I went, this isn't the scene in my movie that I wanted Denzel to, to play the master, right? And I go in, and he's Denzel like, Washington. What? Yeah, I wanted him to play the master in my film, right? And and I go in, and I'm and it's like, why do you want to study the ancient art of kung fu? And a tear just started rolling down my face, and he's like, why is there so much pain associated with this question? Because I couldn't even speak when he asked the question; it it stunned me, and I was like, well. Um, I was a marathon athlete, and then I got strangled by a 300-pound Samoan, and I just want to be able to protect the circle around me. And he said, um, if, I teach you, if I choose to teach you this ancient art, what will you give back to the art? And I said, well, I don't know what I, what I can give back, but I know that I'll be a dedicated and loyal student for the rest of my life. And he's like, he's like okay, you're excused. And so I thought because I started crying that that showed weakness and I was not going to get in. But the the Ho Chi Jen came and he's like, congratulations, you've been accepted. Do you want to study for six months or one year? And I was like, one year, because that's the first contract. You know, it's a contract that you sign with them that you're going to train twice a week for whatever time, six months or one year. It was my choice. And I chose one year. And it was the best year of my life and I ended up training for four years straight for like eight hours a day instead of going my two days a week I started going every single day Lynette you want to make a movie right yeah what, what kind of actors do you hope to get do you hope I'm the writer what do you mean I've, I've already write, written it and, and it's already registered no. with the WGA no the actors the, the actors the actors <laughs> The actors. <coughs> yeah. As far as the actors, I want whatever my budget can can get. Like if I can get Denzel and Mila Kunis again, they were those, in a movie those, together. Those, um, they were in that those, movie Book of Eli, and they were awesome together in that movie. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's what really. Lynette, those people get millions of dollars to act in movies. Oh, hey, so, you're talking about getting people like that. You better have millions, man. That's A-list oh, celebrities. You guys don't about. understand. That's what executive producers do. And you don't have to have all that money up front. They sign yeah. what's called, they, call, they sign contracts, right? And the contracts are, they'll agree to 
do the movie with this much up front and this much on the back end. That's how you do it. You, they don't get all the millions up front like you think. And also, what you do is you get sponsors like products. That's why you have product placement inside of movies. Yeah, okay. Lynette, like you see the guy get out of the car. I lived in Hollywood for years. I've, I've been in, I used to work, I used to run a fucking casting agency in Hollywood called Central Casting, which is now the biggest casting agency in Hollywood. Okay. I know a lot about Hollywood, but I'm going to yeah, tell but, you this. A lot of business deals are done um, behind closed doors. And sex is involved. Period. And most of it's gay sex, believe it or not. So I know how Hollywood runs. That's where I'm from. If you call my number, it's a three two three number, which is a Hollywood number. You can see plenty of mug shots of me for prostitution. That's the only thing I've ever been arrested for. And I was the last hooker to leave Sunset Boulevard when Sunset. So if you've been a central casting, you owned owned central casting, it would seem that if you have all those connections, it sounds like it might be relatively easy for you to do that. However, you know, I mean, whatever. No, let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you that everyone already in here should already know. Hollywood is run by the same people that are doing this to us. Hollywood is run by Satan. We already know Okay, so you guys already know. So that's why it's not as easy as you guys think, no matter what connections you have. Because a lot of the men, like like Rob Lowe and all them, they're all Illuminati. I've been with Rob Lowe. I've been with um, a, you know, a few a few stars out there. They're all Illuminati. They don't get to make choices on their own. They're told what to do. And you know, a lot of times. I mean, it's just so controlled. That's why you never see these people marrying outside the industry because they're marrying other Satanists. Well, Miss Lynette, let's get real for a second. So you want to make a movie, right? You got your idea. You've written it. Do you have an agent? Do you have an agent? Right now I'm working on, um, you know, Internet publishing because it's cheap. And it comes with okay. um, advertising packages where you where I can write because I've already written it. So now where I'm at is like I gotta make this commit. This is where I'm on the fence right now, is I gotta make a commitment for like fifteen hundred dollars, which is not a lot of money, um, not that much relatively. And it's a it's a company that within three to nine months, depending on you, how much effort you put in and all that, you've got your book. From the phase that it's at right now, which is it's a it's a manuscript, to a published book would cover and on Amazon within and from three and from that and, and from that book you want to get and from movie that book, point right? when you have it there, then you can get a, a director and all that, and you can't even do it without a book without a, a published. Because okay, well, that, they have this thing. Luck. Listen, listen. They have this thing called. They will not deal with a, what's called an unsolicited script, which means that I don't have a lawyer representing my script. It doesn't matter what connects you have. If the script is not represented by an entertainment lawyer, nobody will even let you send it to them. They won't even open the email. Okay, well, I wish you good luck with this. Thank you. I hope, I, you, I hope you make it. But I'm definitely not going through Hollywood because I have a $700 camera, but I still can't just get on an airplane and go do it by myself. I still need an American team 
that speaks English to be able to go with me and shoot these scenes. And I talked them down from 15 grand to, I mean, from 30 grand to 15 grand to let me go back there and film. And I talked to him, the grand master of Shaolin. I have his direct email. Hey, Alex, I want to tell you, you could be a psychologist. You probably wouldn't want to, but you could. You have a soothing, <laughs> soothing voice. Thank and you're a smart good, guy. And you understand I'm human a, nature. <laughs> I, I'm a bit drunk right now, but thank you. Hey, hey, Shoster, did, was, was, did, you, did I hear you say that you were a psychologist? No, no, I, I go to one. Oh, okay. <laughs> he does and go on. You gotta friend. be careful because they they could end up fucking you up worse than you were originally. Um, oh, I know. Yeah, he, this guy I trust. He's my friend. I knew his kids went to my high school. I know. I know this guy. He's my friend. Yeah. Okay. Do you talk about your targeting to him? Yep. He he knows what it is. My physician knows what it is too. She's a a physician's scared though. She 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 lets on. She knows what it is. She's more reluctant to talk about it than the psychologist is, though. Oh. But they both believe me. They both believe me, and they know what it is. Yeah, my my uh, VA doctor believed me, and I made him write me a letter saying that um, that uh, that I should be taking the gang stalking that's going on very seriously because I had physical scars on my face where they busted my face open with pistols. So it was like they couldn't fucking sit there and say it was in my imagination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, Lynette, yeah. let me ask you this. Are you going to tie any of that you're targeting into the movie? That would be a good way to get this exposed. You know what? I didn't know I was a fucking T.I. when I wrote the movie. And you know what? One of the guys, I, I don't remember his name, but he's on the Internet. When I was doing my research about T.I.s before I... You know, when I kind of just didn't even really know, I just was researching. And um, the guy got T.I., he was an actor, and he wrote, a, and he's a, like a writer. He wrote hella scripts and stuff, and that's how he became a T.I., because he was writing the bombing scripts, and they were like doing intellectual property theft and all that. Oh. Miss Lynette, tell us about Hollywood, what it's like on the streets down there. Yeah. It's fun as hell. Like, I'm a celebrity there. Like, I mean, you, because of my skills as an artist, I'm well, everyone knows me just like where I'm at now. They ended up, because I stand out where I'm at right now, it's because it's a small little town. Um, the newspaper wrote an article about me because I was so, like, off the wall, weird, whatever. But in Hollywood, it's a bunch of weirdos. So I kind of blend in with the weirdos, right? But, uh, Hollywood, it's fun, it's dangerous, it's evil, it's dipped in the occult, it's uh, pedophilia uh, saturated, it's um, a facade. It's a a, a lot of people that want to make it, right, from the bottom. Well, the most beautiful women in the world go there. I mean, that's where I've been my whole youth as a, a model and a stripper and a hooker and all the things I did. Um, okay. I mean, I, you know what? I got sucked in at first cause I, I they wanted me real. I told you Jack Nicholson wanted me. He wanted me to star in a movie and I ran and I ran from Hollywood because of it. 
because I already knew that Jack Nicholson was involved in the cult because he was messing with this lady that she was the most famous dominatrix in the world, Stephanie Locke. And um, he, ha- he was obsessed with her. And so, like, I was one of her assistants for, like, servicing guys that, were in the, that wanted to be, you know, abused sexually. It, it, and, it, sounds um, like, it sounds like you got a lot of secrets around there. You could write a book even about that, you know? It, this is in the book. That's why I talked. See, at first I was ashamed about my life, and that's why I wanted to commit suicide, right? But then I, when I would talk about my life, people would think I was making the shit up. So I was like, you know what? It does sound like a fucking movie. And that, and I'll tell you how I got the idea. Um, is I was flying back from China. They just, um, you know how they hand out the paper when you sit in your seat? And on the front page was... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, $300 million opening day. And then I was like, wow, I'm living this. I'm living Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you know? I just flew, you know? And then, you know, uh, at the time, uh, Kill Bill was out. And so everyone was calling me Kill Bill, like, because I kind of looked like her when I was younger. And then... And then I was like putting it on, and then I saw Kill Bill, and I was like, this is a bomb ass. I like Quentin Tarantino. I like the Okay. And then I saw the movie Memoirs of a Geisha. And when I saw that one, I I knew I was destined to write this movie and and film this movie. Because if you know anything about that movie, it was shot right here in San Francisco. They made it look like in the middle of China somewhere. Yeah, it's a a long movie. It's got three hours or something, right? Yeah, it's a long movie. But it's it's about um, this girl... And they're both sold, you know, because that's how it is yeah, in China. Yeah, I, I saw it. Two sisters. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but the hey, artistic. Lynette. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to. No, don't let me interrupt you. I, I had a question. I'll remember. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I had a I, question. I like people that interject. I don't look at it. it as I had a question. Uh, this is a historical thing. I think you might know something about because I want right. to know if it's true or not. I heard that, you know, the Kabuki Theater in Japan. Right? Right. I heard that the ninjas came out, well, the Kabuki Theater, they would have uh, the stagehands would be moving scenery scenery around out of the way while the act was going on, but they'd be doing it in a sneaky kind of way where the audience wouldn't notice it. And that kind of inspired the ninjas, or some of the ninjas came out of the Kabuki Theater schools. And, yeah, well, uh, they, they, they absolutely. Got, Let me they, explain it to you. Because those those uh, backdrops were made out of those the things that I told you that they strap to their body and make like like kites like what we would call like maybe a hang glider or right. something. Uh, yeah. They were making those out of the out of the things you know those like rice paper walls. That's all they are really, just like a, like a, a frame with rice paper, you know. Like a, a, no, a you, you know, Shanster, they had black people, like people dressed in black that move, moved around, and yeah. you couldn't see, see them because of the of the moving in the on the theater. And the and, movement and, they made. And they and they they even they even have it now. But that's why watch, I was telling uh, Ryan watch, that that's why they had to learn to hang for six hours six hours at a time because they. They'd be hanging in all black in these these theaters or whatever, and and it was like that was their training for 
becoming uh, mercenaries, really, because that's what they were. They were they okay. would sneak in. So this is what they this is where they originated. Like, say they had a, 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 an emperor, and the emperor was really corrupt. Well, what they do is they send the ninjas in because they were masters at darts, so they could hit the hit them with a dart, poison dart. They were masters at at poison, not uh, throwing any kind of knives. Uh, you know, the ninja stars and all that. Um, but the the strength of them, because really it was bat style, so they really was learning how to hang like a bat, uh, like literally by their feet, you know, with their feet like, you know. Tied to a bar. It's like, well, they do that too because it, it rushes oxygen to your uh, brain. The ninjas have to be, you know, alert and aware all the time of their surroundings. The the first rule in ninjutsu, I believe, is uh, you don't let anything distract you. Hey, Ryan, yeah. uh, you want to go to China with me and go train for like three weeks? I would love it's to, like, do, man. No, I, I'm I serious. Don't... It's like 800 bucks round trip, right? And then you want to bring like about two or $3,000. Uh, the problem is I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have two or $3,000. But you just save for a year. Save for a year and then you just go. And it'll be the most incredible experience of your life. I agree, it would. I would in a heartbeat. If somebody could pay for it, I would. I, You know what? I almost didn't come back. The only reason I came back is because my mom. But now that she's passed away, if I make, if my feet hit Chinese soil again, I'm going to disappear into the Chinese mountains and never be heard from again. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, when I get back in shape in about a year, yeah. Maybe we'll meet up one day and we'll do some kickboxing together. Let's do it, man. Yeah, that would be fun. Hey, the style that I do is called Tagora Temple Boxing. It comes from India. I've always loved martial arts. I'm studying ninjutsu right now from what all I can get no, from you, it. You, 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 you don't said. have to know martial arts. Just, uh, just put on a helmet and some gloves and... Just beat the shit out of each other. You know, it's fun. <laughs> well, we we would be lightweights. We're lightweights anyway. I'm only five yeah. seven, weigh 160 pounds. Well, uh, I'm kind of Ryan, bigger, you but get that. I'm slim. I'm, I'm you should buy that foot, book, book Secrets okay. of the Ninja, Ryan. You'd you'd love that if you haven't read it. Secrets yeah, of the Ninja. Yeah, you know, I think I think but, but, I'll you know, try to see Ryan, if I can download Ryan, a PDF of that. Maybe you Ryan, can. Ryan, a Shida Kim, a Shida Kim. Most, Ryan, most ninjas are not that tall. They're they're not like me. But you keep bringing up the ninjas, stuff. right? But I keep telling you over and over again, the ninjas ain't shit compared to the Shaolin monks. The, oh, yeah, the Shaolin monks. All, when I went to China, all martial arts comes from the Shaolin monks. All It's the mother of all martial arts. I don't care what style. I don't care. Even well, Bruce actually, Lee's, actually the, even Bruce China... Lee's roots. Excuse me for just one more moment. Okay. Even Bruce Lee's roots is in the Shaolin Temple. That's I was what just, made him. I was just the man gonna he is. say that. So I was just gonna say that. I'm a little woman. I only weigh like 110 pounds, and I'm being gang stalked. And I studied kung fu before I ever knew that I was being gang stalked because other <laughs> bad shit has happened to me. Like, I'm talking about security guards that were 400 pounds yoking me the fuck out in a five-star hotel. I'm talking about um, just 
random shit that happened in different periods of my yes. life. I was just going to say, Miss Lynette, that, that Tibet was uh, after China. And actually, the Chinese are the ones that invented the Kung Fu. Then Tibet separated uh, from China. No, that's and, uh, not true. That's not true. The story is this, if you really want to know. Okay. Okay. Buddha was, this, these creatures came down just like in the Bible. It says just like in the Bible. They came down and they were snake men. And they came and they gave the knowledge. Let and, me check. Um, and, it, they don't talk about the apple. They talk about the knowledge. And the knowledge was Kung Fu, which is Qigong, which is, let me just put it in English, which is harnessing the power of the earth into the human body so you can have supernatural, superhuman strength that's pulled from the earth into your body and controlled at will. That's what Kung Fu is. And then oh, okay, so another wait, 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 wait. So... Buddha was born in Nepal, I checked it, and he was born in 4th century BC, and China is 5,000 years old, so that's twice, twice the age, so I'm, I'm telling you that, that the Chinese uh, did Kung Fu first, they were the first civilization. Well, that's that, not what they say, they, they say that, because if you look at the style, which I, I told Ryan, it's the tiger, the panther, the leopard. The boar, the cobra—I mean the, uh, the the cobra, the mantis, the crane, and the eagle—and these are the basic animals. And any other animals okay. are sub-animals of these. Okay. Yeah, but that—that's that, Chinese art. That's Chinese art. That's, that's wait. Let me finish China. what I was going to say. Okay. Let me finish. So the okay. styles is really animals that are in the land of Africa. And you look, in Africa and China, when you look at the map, they're very close to each other. You know, they're okay. there. So it okay. would only make sense that these cultures would intermingle. And they know that they were because of the um, the Silk Road. Silk Road was a, was a um, yeah. you know, a trading yeah. trading route. And, yeah, um, between okay. Asia, yeah. Right. So Kung Fu, like, was actually given in Africa to Muhammad and Muhammad what? these beings came down and gave him the knowledge of of the 365 points of the of the human body uh, herbology reflexology qigong uh, tai chi and um and 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 all kinds of sub of these and more and fighting styles and what it is is these animals that I just read off to you, the tiger, the um, panther, the leopard, the boar, the cobra, the mantis, the crane, and the eagle, these animals are actually profiles, personality profiles. It's an ancient puzzle that dates back 6,000 years before Christ, right? So with that puzzle, when you are being approached by someone who's a tiger, and you're and they're about to attack you, you know what to become to defeat them because you have to become the opposite. So if a person is a big ass monster and he's coming at you, you gotta become a snake. Or if he's a boy, he's a big fat fat dude, you gotta become a mantis. You're gonna have to use some fucking um uh, arm twisting shit on him, you know? 
Like, because you, you, that's a lot of weight. You ain't going to try to box that motherfucker, right? So, like, it's whatever your animal that you, like, if you're going to go up against someone that's a crane, like oh, okay, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar okay. type body. Miss, like, miss wait, hear me out. Miss, like, if you're going to go up against someone like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that dude has long-ass legs that can yeah. kick you from across the room. He don't have to get as close as maybe another miss, fighter miss, would. So wait, you miss, gotta wait for that kick and slam him to the oh ground. Wait, 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 Miss Lynette, you have far too much knowledge for us to understand. We we can't understand what you're saying because you're you've well, read much more this, than. Let me get to a point. When okay. you look at these animals that I'm mentioning, right? And you go and they're in Africa, and you look at them and watch them move, and you watch them fight. Look at look at a crane catch a snake. Look at a tiger catch. Oh, no, a tiger and a leopard fight. Or look at a a crane and a leopard fight. Like a crane, um, leopards eat cranes, you know? And, or look at a um, a boar okay, so and we a leopard. Okay, we so under, we understand that, but you okay, know you so got... Okay, so this is why you, you, Kung Fu works. You, you, have, because, you, have read, you have read much more than us. No, this can, is not about reading. There's no books that you can go and read about what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but... We can't Hold understand on, you're cutting that me off. much. I'm it's sorry, not about you... reading. You can't read anything that I'm talking about anywhere in any textbook and anywhere. You can't Secret. Google this shit. It, it, it's an, it, it can only be passed um, or, or, oratorily, you know, where someone literally shows you move by move by move because it's an ancient knowledge that they don't just want everyone to have. And that's why they murdered um, Bruce Lee. Because, wow, as I'm talking about this, they're lighting my feet on fire. Wow. Um, then why they, why yeah. they murder Bruce Lee? That because Bruce Lee felt that this knowledge that I'm talking about should belong to everyone, that everyone should have this knowledge. Because what it is, it's, it's about, like I said, controlling your emotions and actions, right? So, like... What is, what is emotions? Emotions is energy in motion. So emotions cause problems, like when you don't have control of them. Like there's the guy that murders his girlfriend because he thinks she's cheating. Like that's examples of emotions not being in control, right? So that's the biggest root problem in America is that everyone's out of control with their emotions. And that is the solution to to the um to the uh, what's what's the word to the conditioning of us as an american people that why they murdered him because it was a threat for for him to give that knowledge to the masses when they want chaos is a threat to the to the establishment and one of the things he said that was the biggest threat that, that cost him his life was when he was talking about water. And he said, you have to be like water when they were asking him about his style and the style of no style, which I'm trying to explain to you, Ryan. This is what yeah. Bruce Lee, because Bruce Lee came from the same school I came from, you know, uh, Shaolin. We came, I went to Shaolin myself. And this is what, why they murdered him. They murdered and, and he was a T.I. Now, oh, my God, they're lighting my feet on fire, you guys. Why? Ooh. So, um, so what did he talk about? He said, 
and it's the same, like, I know you guys are going to laugh, but I am one of the flat earthers, okay? There's actually conferences of scientists from all over the world oh. who believe that oh, it's flat, that have, that have, okay, anyways, let's stop that. And so, um, it go, so I lost my train of thought, man, fuck. What was I, what was I talking about, you guys? What was I doing? Okay, Bruce Lee, they murdered him because, oh, when he was talking about water, he said, okay, um, you put it in a cup, water takes the shape of a cup. You put it in a teapot, it takes the shape of a teapot. He was talking about the nature of water, and he was revealing the secret that... Be like water. Be like water, that's what... Yeah, but it's deeper than that. He was actually revealing a secret that the world is flat, and it takes the shape of the of the cup that it's in, a giant okay. ocean. And that's what he was, and it cost okay. him his life. I don't know so about something that. to think it's about. Good. Before you guys write, write it off, like, oh, my God, she thinks the world is, like, okay, they've only been telling us it's fucking round for 400 years. Just the same amount of time that, they, they, that the, the slaves, they were slaves, right? The blacks were slaves, Okay. Just think about, just open your mind just and, and just, instead of writing it off, think about it. Like, well, I'm so, I, I'm sorry, I, I but fly, my, my, okay? I my, fly airplanes. My, my parents are physicists. My parents are physicists, so I, I can't relate to that. I'm sorry. Well, but, you, okay, you don't have to, but check this out. I fly airplanes, okay? This is just common common sense as they're lighting my feet on fire hotter than I can even explain. Um, you know, you get to your altitude and then what do you do? You line up the nose with the with the horizon. How how could it be possible for you to fly in a straight line if the if the world is round and you're not accounting for nose down nose down every whatever the curve of the earth. Hear me out. Hold on. I'm getting to my point. Because I'm getting gravity, to my point. So when you're flying, gravity. you're not doing a nose down, nose down. So how can the world be round? It's not because round. Of it's gravity. Flat. Okay, Lynette, I'm just going to say this. Really, the, you're talking, though, actually, in, as early as the 6th century B.C. is when they started talking about the spherical shape of the world, you know, the Earth. So, I mean, it hasn't been 400 years. It's been just a little tad longer. Just a little tad. Okay, 400, 500, 1,000. So, How I mean, I appreciate know? the fact, yes, you know, that you feel that the Every single flat. photo so that, that they do? claim. Okay, before you guys shut me down, just hear me out. Every photo that they claim is a picture of the earth, right, is all computer generated. There is no photo of the whole cookie. There's no photo. It doesn't exist. Okay, every single photo that we have of the world from outer space is fake. It's computer generated. Lynette, honey, how do you know? You go research yourself. I know. I've done my research. That's why I'm so confident about what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Do you know? Do you know there's a confidence in your opinion? Your opinion counts. Your opinion Look counts up for you. There was an experiment. See, see, you guys shut it down because you've been told that it was round since a child. So how could it? How could I possibly 
be any other thing. But just hear but me you out. shouldn't force but your opinions on someone else. I'm not you forcing. Should. I'm standing well, my ground. Just hear me out. You're saying, okay, but you're saying we're shutting you down. Nobody's shutting you down. Some people you are shutting me down. And you don't let me make my point. There's yeah, an we, experiment. We, we want to share our opinions, too. We want to share our opinions, too, okay, about this. So there's an experiment that they meant to prove. Right, that the Earth was moving through space at the speed and this and that and that. Right? Do you know what the experiment ended up proving? That we were completely stationary and that the stars were moving around us. Okay. And that can be proven because the North Star does not move; it's stationary. Just something to think about. Go look it up for yourself. I, I I'm a research person. I'm I'm a research person. Like, if you look at the map that they use for the United Nations, the people that are doing this to us, right? Why are they looking at a flat map if it's not flat? Because they know something. They know <clears throat> that it's flat. Well, Why I do they have that? I'm stuck in the United Nations. Sorry, that that's not a, that's not a anything. Go I look put at my their logo. In. Go look at their logo. Sorry. I'm a graphic I, designer. Go check out their logo. No. I mean, Lynette, you amaze me. Your resume would read would be at least five, at least fifteen pages long with all the things that you've done. You're a pilot. You've been you you something you yeah, said about VA. You're a yep, graphic designer. A you're a writer. I, you're a musician. You're an artist. I mean, and I can with prove everything I'm talent, You should be able to get that movie produced. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. should be. And and the thing is, mm-hmm. I even have my own camera. So I, well, there's nothing standing in the way. Get out there and do it. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate okay. that. You know what? You know what? I know that you guys all think I'm stupid to even think about this. I don't I'm think gonna, I'm going to pull up. Look, look. Next time I come online, I'm going to pull up the experiment and let you guys just have the knowledge yourself and make your own decision. Okay, because if you don't even have the the um, knowledge that's out there, then maybe you could easily say, well, yeah. But Tesla, Tesla, the knowledge that the, the Tesla, they're using his technology right now in vehicles and all this stuff, right? He's the one that was having an, a conversation yep. with with Einstein about what I'm talking about. Because they were, um, uh, Tesla was was den- denouncing that, saying that um, uh, gravity was bullshit, and Einstein was giving them some kind of formulas and shit or whatever. But basically, um, uh, Tesla was saying that gravity was bullshit, that it didn't exist, that we were on a stationary plane. Okay, we should move on because uh, it, it's a controversial subject. And, uh, and it's it's crazy that something so yeah. like something we were taught in elementary school, the the emotional uh, um, triggers that it is amazing to me because when I first was starting to study the knowledge, I was like, what? The Earth is flat. What? The, I've never even heard this in my whole life. I'm a half a century and I've never heard about no Earth. I never heard it till two or three years ago, and then all of a sudden took off like wildfire. But when you go, yeah, okay, but check this out. Just check this out. When you go look at the ancient text, even in China, they show a stationary uh, plate with pillars. So, so wait, that's wait, interesting. Wait, 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 tell, tell us, uh, 
tell us an image of, of how the Earth is flat. How does it look from outer space? Well, the photos, I mean, not photos, but artistic renditions that are ancient drawings show a plate with pillars, four pillars that, you know, the Bible even refers to these pillars. Yeah, and four, that, elephants um, sitting, four elephants sitting on a turtle. Yeah, the Indians have four elephants, yep, yep. And then some show four angels, the four angels on the four corners. How could they have corners if it's a ball? That don't even make sense. Why does the Bible describe it as four corners of the earth? What? What? It makes no sense. Okay, so there's a lot of little things that make you just question it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that I believe it's flat or I believe it's round. I, I never said that. I just have a sense that it's round because, I mean, that it's flat because my experience flying airplanes and my experience being oh. on the ocean, on the ocean, you know, I own a boat over here in California, being oh. on the ocean, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of hard to believe that, the, the nature of the ocean just doesn't like so what's if, if around, that what what what's around the the planet so we don't fall off of it it's on a plate it doesn't need it doesn't need anything oh oh what do you mean oh um admiral bird admiral bird look him up his expeditions are are hush hushed but he found the ice wall and I don't know if you guys watched the Truman Show, but the Truman Show is about Truman being a T.I. and everything around him is totally fake. And, and, um, Great you know, movie. Surve- yeah, 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 you know, right? Okay, so in one of, the, one of the things, they did a parody of Admiral Byrd's expedition, and he's like, I found the ice wall, you know, at Jim Carrey and shit. And then he's like, he's all patting, and then he's like, I found the dome. And he's like, you know, making jokes about people who believe the earth is flat. But why would that even be in there? Because the Illuminati fucking knows the truth, right? They know. Okay. They put okay. it in plain fucking sight. Like, go pull up Larry Bird's ex- expedition. They never made it over that ice wall. They claim okay. there's gates. And there's like, there's gates through the through the wall somewhere. That there's like... That it's not no Iceland like they want us to believe. There is some strange activity in Antarctica as as of the last year. Uh, President like people like John Kerry. I don't I don't know if it has to do with flat Earth or whatever, but there for some reason people like John Kerry. That's all I'm saying, guys, because I'm really in charge. Okay, that's your opinion, Mister Net, and we 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 respect you as a person, but most of us. You know, we are... Believe what you want to believe. I'm we, just we telling you why that... I why I question it. I believe, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not forcing yeah. you to believe that it's yeah. fucking yeah. round or flat. Yeah. I don't, I don't really care. Like, what I'm saying is that my investigation and my experience is that it's flat. Because I fly airplanes. From the sky, Lynette. you can see that it's flat. Lynette, Lynette, Lynette. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. put on my Shinobi Suzuku, and, and I'm going to come hunt you, okay? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always Shinobi excited. Shinobi Suzuku. Well, I'm going right? to tell you, I'm going to tell you, um, I just have like a little hand, a little hand, um, what is it called? A little hand uh, bow and arrow, a little hand one. Oh, cool. A little one. 
Well, I'll get a blowgun and I'll come hunt you, and I'll, I'll bring my my katanas and my side. Well, if I keep believing the earth is round, that's my pun. I mean, the earth is flat. That's my punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Lynette, you'll fall for anything. You can no, chase. Please, you can no, chase no, each no, other no, to I'll the end of the flat earth. <laughs> look. Look, I know my head's flat, too. Don't worry about it. My head's flat. The earth is flat. It's all right. Um, (laughs) But will you guys please, please, for me, just as my friends, the only friends I have, will you please go look up the, will you go look up the experiment that I'm talking about? Admiral Byrd, right? Yeah, well, Admiral Byrd is the one that found the ice wall. That doesn't have nothing to do with the experiment. The experiment was the, um... To prove that the Earth is not moving in space, that the, the experiment proved that the Earth was stationary, that it was not yeah, moving okay. in space. Okay. I've looked into this stuff a, a, a bit, and I don't know. I can't. I'll find it if you can't find it. I'll find it for you, and then and then when I come back on, I'll have I'll have the info for you. Okay, but Shinobi. it was a very. And then, do you guys know about the um, experiment that was um, the holographic universe experiment? I've heard of it. That 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 can be true. For one thing, I agree with you, Miss Lynette, that we could be living in the in a simulated hologram. No, it's not what you that, think. That it's not possible. what you think. But it's it's, it's not but, what it sounds like. Let me explain it to you guys. Um, it was an experiment, right? And uh, they wanted to know if molecules. They were trying to prove whether molecules had consciousness, right? I know that sounds what? crazy, but so what they did was when there was a human eye observing the molecules, they were like particles. But when there was no human eye observing them, no, no, you're they talking were about no, no, Miss Lynette, you're not talking about molecules. You're talking about by about quantum quantum uh, physics, quantum physics. Yeah. Yeah, I am talking about molecules, sub sub molecules. Yeah, that's what I'm talking no, about. No, so, no, you're talking about sub molecular sub molecular things, not not molecules. But I, I know that's what idea. I just said. You're repeating okay. me. Anyway, okay. so so they did the experiment, right? And what it showed was when the, when the human eye was not looking at the molecules, that they were just waves of energy. But when there was a human eye observing them, they were they were particles with mass. Yeah, they have a, it's called the double double slit experiment. They did it yeah, in a lab. Exactly. You know yeah, what I was talking that's about. With, that's did, with, that sounds perverted to me, the double slit. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, well it was it was just a mechanism. That, that's, that had nothing to do with, with flesh. That's with electrons. That's with uh, Yeah, electron. electron particles, exactly. You're right. Yeah. But um, okay. I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm a deep thinker, you guys. So I'm like always researching this like high tech stuff. And um, lately I've been studying um, Tesla. Um, I don't know. Have you guys ever been in the room with a Tesla ball, a real one? That's I've, seen, I've seen them. Yeah. You've seen them on the internet, but have you ever been in a room? No, with not one? not not in person. Oh my God! It's scary as fuck. Okay, I've been in the room with these things. It's scary as hell. Okay, and whoa, I mean, the thing just sparks off of it like at random, and it's like 
I don't know. How do you explain something like that? It's raw electricity. I mean. He was a genius. And then our brains are become are completely like exactly like that. The electrical energy inside of our brains. That's a that that is a replica of what's going on inside of us. And the that powers that be, or, they hijacked Tesla's work and made it into weapons they use against. Us. Yeah, yeah, that's Sad. that's exactly what I've been studying. Like what aspects of it, and of course, it's the electricity stuff because um, he, he didn't. He, if you read, he did not believe in gravity. He he read what he's talking about. And he, this, him and Einstein were talking about this flat, round Earth thing. Oh, my God. Why would they even be having a conversation like that? Why? And Tesla's like the smartest man ever. Why would they even be? Ha- I didn't, I'm not making this shit up. What do you mean? Oh, my God. I'm not making it up. Well, uh, Einstein proved, proved a lot of things about and relativity Einstein didn't sense. prove shit. Einstein just had theories. Uh, Einstein okay. didn't prove anything. He had okay. theories. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And they took his theories and they used them as a weapon and made a bomb. It's just like it's just like one his theories just, turned into a bomb. They, they materialized. Hey, Real life. Hey, exactly. Theoretical. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, what, uh, well, man, I just missed, lost my thought again. I know I'm pretty, I'm a pretty radical thinker, you guys. I know. And uh, that's probably this, inter- this stuff is interesting. Uh, but it's, yeah, it has to do with our targeting because, look, it has to do with the, the CERN. You guys know about CERN? Everybody yep. knows about CERN. Well, the, I think they're doing collider. some stuff with the CERN with us too because like don't fucking laugh at me you fuckers either don't fucking laugh at me when I talk about this shit but some of the some of the Mandela shit I'm on the other timeline mm-hmm. I don't know where you guys stand with it but I'm on the other timeline like I remember you know I was one of the first kids that went to the first Star Wars when it came out and I remember him saying Luke I am your father. It was. It's never there in this reality. It was never there. But the but the the actor remembers saying it and everything. But oh no, I know what you're talking about, Lynette. I've noticed a couple things like that. I don't think about that too much. Okay, because well, it, I I've noticed a lot of them. Like the, most of them, I'm on the other timeline, which scares the fuck out of me. And I'm when I notice. One I noticed is Oscar Meyer Wiener. When I was a kid, it was Oscar Meyer M E Y E R, and now it's supposedly yes, spelled M A Y E R. Like my baloney has a first name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, now it has an A in the Meyer. Oh, S B A R. My baloney has a second name. M E Y E R. Like. There's some weird things like that. Yeah. I don't know. And then Berenstain, like Berenstain ain't even fucking name. It's Berenstain. Berenstain bears. Yeah, the bear, I've heard about that thing too. Yeah. And then the Kit Kat bar. I remember it with the with the little um, hyphen that was shaped like the candy when you break it off. Huh. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. 
but uh, and then, yeah, I've seen a few uh, of those. I've Mama seen a few always those. said life is like a box of chocolates, and now it says was like a box of chocolates. So that don't even make sense grammatically. And then the one that messes me up the most, you guys, like the one that fucking fucks with me the most is the um, Silence of the Lambs. When she goes in there, because I, a lot of my friends used to say I look like Jodie Foster and shit, and when she goes in there, and he, what is the first thing he says to her for the, when they first meet, he goes, hello, Clitties. In this timeline, it never happened. He never said that. And it's funny because it's nowhere in the movie now, right? And I used to have an ex-boyfriend that we went to see it together, and he used to kid around and always go, hello, Clitties. So where would he have got that? That's creepy as hell. So I'm wondering if they chose certain people, and maybe that has something to do with our targeting, to be on the other timeline. I don't know, but you know that there's a lady, Catherine Horton, who worked with for CERN. Do you know who she is? She's kind of a yeah. I've I've heard some of her um, interviews. She used to work there at CERN, and uh, so so I don't. She's not. See, I was like an exceptional kid, like. When I was in school, they didn't teach me how to read like they taught everybody else. They didn't teach me A, B, C. They taught me ah, ba, ka, da. You know, they didn't teach me ABCs like that. They taught me totally different. And I wonder if that had to do with linguistics programming. I don't know. What language is that when they're not saying ABC, but they're saying ah, ka, ba, wa? What what language they, did they they're, they're teaching you? Well, that's okay. That's the secret right there. Is they're teaching uh. you the sounds so that you can learn any language easily, and it makes sense because when I went to China and I was only there for like two weeks and I was already like speaking fluent, like I would hear the sounds and I would be able to imitate them, and and then they had me teaching at the school, you know, in China, like teaching English. They wanted me to stay there and give me a salary that would have been like nine hundred dollars a month American money, which wasn't enough for me to stay there but um but they wanted me to stay there and teach english and stuff you know you know but most chinese people eat with one dollar a day so um depends what chinese people you know it just depends not everybody is that poor and not everybody it's just like in any country there's rich and poor i mean when i when i was there i was with a Shaolin monk who was honored everywhere he went. So, you know, I mean, it just depends who you're with, I guess. I mean, I did see poverty there. I did see some um, some police brutality while I was there. I do know the Shaolin monks were very spiritual with their martial arts. It was part of their spirituality. So it's, that's why they it's were their life from the time so they wake good. up and the time they go to sleep. Like, yeah. <laughs> And a lot it of other great martial arts, they're not necessarily spiritual. They're just <laughs> skilled physically and kinesthetically. No, no, these guys are spiritual. They don't have sex. Yeah, I'm, um, I agree. The, the one that I was spiritual. with, though, he was a bad boy. He was Oop. a bad boy. The monk that I, that I snuck to China oh. to be with, he was a bad boy. He smoked. Um, his His best friend got kicked out because... Um, he had a girlfriend, and the, and the master found out 
because you're not allowed to have a girlfriend and be a Shaolin monk. Like, to go get married, you have to fight your way out of the temple. If you make it out alive, you can go get married. If you don't, mm. And you have to fight everyone, like everyone against you to get out. And if you get out of there alive, you can go get married. I have a certain like, spirit, spirit. I have a certain spirituality, and I smoke and drink and do all that bad stuff. And I've done worse when I was younger. You know, never was. The- no, it's see. Americans think spirituality is, um, oh, you go to church or you do this. No, Over there, not, I don't it's, think it's that. Not that. I don't it's think not that. that. Don't Over there, Americans is- like that. Not all Americans think spirituality is church. No, they don't. No, they don't. We have freedom of religion. It's the First Amendment, I think. No, so uh, I just made up my own. With all Christians, they all. I got Christianity being crammed down my throat right now, straight up. And um, you know, I oh, don't know Americans, that. All Americans are not Christians, honey. Well, yeah. I've been coming uh, with a, lo- a lot no. of fanatic Christian type. That's maybe it's part well, of my great, but All Americans. Are, I'm not a Christian. I'm very yeah, spiritual, but I'm not a Christian. All right. You believe what? in God, though, don't you, Linda? Oh, I believe very strongly in God, but that doesn't make yeah. me a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know.